I'm asking all of my listeners, my proud supporters of our courageous men and women in blue to join me and express your unwavering appreciation for law enforcement. Pin Blue Line USA has stylish apparel, great accessories that make a statement and flags that fly with pride. They've got everything you need to show your support for law enforcement. Go to PinBlueLineUSA.com and shop a wide selection of products to show up your patriotism. Use code SID and get 15% off. Stand with me, Sid, and stand with WABC as we honor those who protect and serve. ThinBlueLineUSA.com. Once again, use the code word Sid. Spectacular. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. Oh, no, I get by with a little help from my friends. Let's kick off even by lighting up, boys. From my friends, the star of the show. Oi, oi. I spoke to a radio broadcaster famous here in New York, WABC, Sid Rosenberg. Oy, this oy. is Sid and Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. 77 WABC. The developments involving Donald Trump. This involves New York State's civil fraud trial against Donald Trump and a massive blow to Trump and his sons, Don Jr. and Eric Trump. Judge Arthur Ngoran has released his ruling on damages against both the former president and his sons for the exaggeration of the values of their real estate holdings in order to receive benefits for loans and insurance purposes, according to New York's Attorney General. First look here at uh, the damages here. When it comes to Donald Trump, we know Letitia James had asked for $370 million in damages. So what did the judge rule? It appears the former president is on the hook for $354 million, obviously below what Letitia James was seeking after these months of proceedings that happened in downtown Manhattan, but nevertheless, a significant amount of money. It also appears that Donald Trump's two eldest sons, Donald Trump Jr. and Eric Trump, who were running the company while their father was in the White House, both boys, David, on the hook for $4 million apiece. It's crooked as you can get, and a lot of people expected something like this, but not for the amount. Uh, But this is a very dishonest man. This is a man that's been overturned already on this case four times. But a crooked New York State judge just ruled that I have to pay a fine of $355 million for having built a perfect company. Uh, great cash, great buildings, great everything. It affects New York. It's mostly talking about New York, where we have a totally corrupt attorney general. She campaigned on the fact that I will get Trump, I will get Trump. Everybody's seen it. Letitia James, they've all seen it. This weekend, Donald Trump and Nikki Haley hit the campaign trail with South Carolina's Republican primary now less than a week away. As we inch closer to the South Carolina primary, both of the Republican candidates left in the race are sharpening their verbal attacks. On one hand, critical of the current state of international and domestic matters. On the other hand, of each other and the roadblocks in their way. He's going to spend more time in a courtroom than on the campaign trail. We can't win like that. Former Ambassador Nikki Haley is making her final push in the Palmetto State, jabbing at the slew of legal challenges facing former President Donald Trump. She's looking to close the gap and sway voters as the former president leads in the polls in South Carolina. We need a new generational leader that's not distracted by court cases, that's not filled with vengeance towards our enemies, that's not in the drama. I will fight crooked Joe Biden's weaponized persecution at every step and we will win. We're going to win. 
Fighting in parts of Gaza has intensified. Israel's military claims it captured dozens of terror suspects during a raid on southern Gaza's main hospital, where staff and patients were forced to flee under gunfire. Bloodshed in the Gaza Strip, with Israeli special forces storming the largest functioning hospital in the Strip. An IDF spokesman says October 7th attackers hid in Nasser Hospital. There may be bodies of our hostages in the Nasser Hospital facility. Fighting in the north of Israel reached its greatest intensity since the terror attack, still threatening to open a second front with Hezbollah. A rocket from Lebanon struck deep inside Israel, wounding eight and killing a soldier. Israel responded with airstrikes and says a Hezbollah commander and two operatives were killed. Lebanese sources say civilians died. As Hezbollah strikes back with more rocket fire, Israel's defense minister threatened the Iranian proxy is taking the same risk as Hamas. We can do copy-paste from Gaza to Beirut. We don't want to get there. Caught in the middle are the civilians in Israel's north. 60,000 people have fled from towns like Kiryat Shmona. Every day there are attacks coming from Lebanon of missiles, mortars, UAVs, rockets. Uh, anti-tanks, which are accurate missiles. In 2006, Israel was at war with Hezbollah. About 50% of this town evacuated for around two weeks. Now 90% of the town is gone. It's lasted four months. Hezbollah's leader vows Israel will pay the price. This is not life. And uh, what the government needs to, to do is to tell to IDF to go and take care of Hezbollah because there is, will be no other solution. In the south of the country, residents of Kibbutz near Oz confirmed another one of the hostages taken on October 7th has died, yet near Yaakov, his remains are being held by Hamas. In the corner, Lafreniere. Fox, down low, they score! Mika's a And it has been thoroughly entertaining. Lively game last night. Flyers and Devils surpassed by what these teams have done. Three puck, Panarin! And it's in the net with a count! It crossed the line, but the net was off! And the officials are going to talk about it! Rangers come flying off the bench to celebrate. They think they've won. After review, we have a good goal on the ice. First win outdoors. Three goals in four minutes and 18 seconds. What a comeback.
pretty exciting stuff. Late yesterday afternoon, they dropped the puck. It was a little bit before 4 p.m. at MetLife Stadium in New Jersey, where my hockey Rangers and the Islanders went head-to-head outdoors, and it was uh, fun to watch. You know, I got tickets for the event, but there's no way in a million years, in a million years, I was going to sit out there and freeze my ass off. One thing, if the Giants are playing in January, I've been to many playoff games, it's the playoffs, and it's football, but to sit out there for a regular season hockey game, even though it was filled with pomp and circumstance, and again, you had celebrities, and Messier's out there with Steve Levy, P.K. Subban, and Kevin Weeks, and it's the Rangers-Islanders, no way, (laughs) no way. So I was uh, very happy to watch the game at home, and what a comeback win for the hockey blue shirts. Right now, the Eastern Conference, you look at the very top of that conference, it's really three clubs that are vying to win it. The Panthers, who won the Eastern Conference last year, Vinny Viola, my good buddy, his team, went all the way to the Stanley Cup. They are atop the Eastern Conference right now with 76 points, but right behind them, one point behind at 75 apiece are my Rangers and the Boston Bruins. So the Rangers trailed the Islanders 5-3 to three in this game late, and in the final four minutes, including overtime, they get three goals to win it, and it's all their big stars. First, it was Kreider, his 28th goal of the year. Kreider also second on the team with 52 points. Then Zabinijad, he ties it with about 80 seconds to go. His 18th goal of the year. He's also tied with Kreider, second on the team with 52 points. And then Panarin, having an amazing year in overtime. His club leading 32nd goal of the year. He leads the Rangers with 74 points. He gets the winner. Uh, Vinny Trocek also scored twice. It is worth uh, pointing out that Trocek now with 18 goals is tied with Mika, six behind Kreider and 14 behind Panarin for the club lead. So the Rangers get the win 6-5, to five, and they uh, move on. They'll host the Dallas Stars coming up tomorrow night at Madison Square Garden. And who will be in attendance? None other than Sidney and Gabriel Rosenberg. Thanks to Pete Morgan, he's out of town. So me and my son will be heading to Madison Square Garden tomorrow night to watch the Red Hot Rangers take on Dallas. Uh, Flippin, I know you're a big sports guy. You and I had a little... Discussion about the Mets on Friday. Jim flipping in today for the for a Noam late, and he took the day off. Remember that Lou Rafino was off today. Diego is filling in. Also, Noam Layden is off today. Flipping filling in. Joe Nolan took the day off today. Lori Blanchard filling in. So you've got Diego, Alec, flipping, and uh, most importantly, me, of course. Um, did you watch a Ranger game yesterday? I actually was watching early when it looked kind of bad for the Rangers, and a lot of the Rangers fans were freaking out on social media. Wake up! What's going on here? Yeah, they got up to a slow start. Islanders once again had a two-goal lead in that game late in the third. But the Rangers came back and won. Absolutely. But I was you, wondering... You didn't, you didn't see the end because you uh, you left before the movie ended, didn't you? Well, I yeah, I didn't actually <laughs> yeah. see. I was surprised when I saw the clip on X, I guess it was, of it was from the ice... And it was the players kind of coming together and celebrating yeah. after the you know yeah. ruling came down from the review official, um, right. making it official. But I was asking Justin, does this mean that the I know you apparently you're on the Jonathan Quick side of things. 
But do the Rangers have a goalie controversy, right? I mean, I don't think so. You know, my uh, my good buddy Joseph Tacopino, former Trump attorney, probably the best defense attorney in the world, and Pete Morgan. Those are two of my best friends, two of the biggest Ranger fans I know. And every time I bring up Jonathan Quick, who's won a Stanley Cup, by the way. He's yes. won a cup in Los Angeles. Shesterkin's never won a cup. The quick to remind me that Shesterkin is the best goaltender in the world. And don't forget, Shesterkin just one game removed before the win over the Islanders. 3 nothing shutout victory. That's true. By the way, his first shutout win of the year. But if you're asking who's been the better goalie this year, there's no doubt about it. It's been Jonathan Quick. No doubt. But for some reason, Ranger fans, they fall in love with these guys, you know. Like, I actually think, believe it or not, that even though he's in the Hall of Fame and he had some unbelievable years with the Rangers, I think Henrik is a bit overrated. I do. you got to win a cup. Folks, I don't want to hear it, okay? I understand that Dan Marino is one of the best quarterbacks in the history of football. I agree with that. Marino may be top five. Never won a Super Bowl, but he may be top five. Hockey, you got to win a cup. If you're going to stand on your head and be that great goaltender and have great teams around you, I'm not talking about John Van Beesbrook with the Florida Panthers trying to beat Patrick Watt in Colorado. you got to win a cup. So as great as Henrik was, Hall of Famer, all that stuff, I think he's a bit overrated. Same thing with Chesterkin. Go out there, win something big. Jonathan Quick has done it. But I do not think that Quick will take over the starting job from Shesterkin, not anytime soon, and, uh, of course, as long as the Rangers keep winning. Now, to the news of the day, it looks like the mayor, Eric Adams, who I had dinner with just last week, looks like he's uh, reversed. I guess he's not going to put these migrants, these illegals, in that luxury building. Flippin', what's the latest with that? Well, actually, I'm. You're you're just telling me this for the first time. I, oh, okay. I, that is uh, <laughs> that is all over Fox News this morning that the mayor Eric Adams and I'm sure Curtis Sliwa when he comes on at seven fifteen. Curtis is going to do it. This. Yeah, you're okay. I I actually did hear about the community meeting. Yeah. where they're trying to push for you know there to be using it for locals as opposed to migrants. But no, I I, I sorry, I was not referring. I was not aware of what you were referring to. There. Okay, fair enough. That's uh, Jimmy Flippin from way downtown, as Mike Green would say on the Eric Adams stuff. So let's do this. Let's get to something I know you know about, and that is the Letitia James suit yes. up against uh, Donald Trump on Friday. She wanted $370 million. That crooked judge, that lowlife Engron, came up with $354 million. So he saved Donald Trump $16 million. But what a ridiculous fine. What an absolute joke. Trump Three hundred and fifty-four million. His son Donald Trump Jr. Four million dollars. His son Eric Trump. Four million dollars in all comes out to three hundred and sixty-two million dollars. What an absolute joke, flipping. Yeah, I mean, this is something I did spend a lot of time talking about in the five a.m. news hour. Where now you're seeing these uh, truckers basically saying they're not going to come to New York as a result of this. That if you're going to suspend the Trump organization's business license, which is also kind of a subplot. When you read the big $350 million number, um, they also suspended Trump's business license here in New York for three years. Now these truckers are saying, all right, well, we're not going to make shipments to New York anymore. We're not going to drive the trucks there. So uh, you're already seeing some reaction from various uh, corners of the U.S. in terms of how people respond to this. But, yeah, I mean, look, 
not surprising in terms of the judge and Garan had already said Trump was liable for fraud like months ago. It was kind of like, you know, the most anticlimactic thing of all time that we knew there was going to be something that came down. You know, Tish James wanted the company to basically get the death penalty in terms of not being able to ever run a business in New York again. That didn't happen. So you see the $350 million fine, $4 million for the kids, and, uh, yeah, it'll be appealed. That's what comes next, is that they're going to take this to the U, uh, you know, New York Court of Appeals, basically. The Attorney General, as uh, Flippin just mentioned, Letitia James, she was doing her victory lap on Friday, although, like Flippin said, this thing is not nearly done. There will be an appeal. And believe me, trust me, and Takapina's told me this, Arthur Idala's told me this, as well as others, uh, Trump ain't going to have to pay anywhere near $354 million, Letitia, you dumb bastard. But here she is, the Attorney General, Letitia James, on Friday, saying that the justice system... It worked. Letitia James, Diego, cut number one. Today, justice has been served. Today, we prove that no one is above the law, no matter how rich, powerful, or politically connected you are. Everyone must play by the same rules. We have a responsibility to protect the integrity of the marketplace. And for years, Donald Trump engaged in deceptive business practices and tremendous fraud. Donald Trump falsely knowingly inflated his net worth by billions of dollars to unjustly enrich himself, his family, and to cheat the system. She goes on to say this uh, maniacal biatch, the attorney general, one of the most repulsive human beings God has ever created, that until Trump pays this, they're going to attack on interest every day. Here is uh, Letitia James Diego, cut number four. Today. The court, once again, ruled in our favor and in favor of every hardworking American who plays by the rules. Donald Trump and the other defendants were ordered to pay $463.9 million. That represents $363.9 million in disgorgement, plus $100 million in interest, which will continue to increase Every single day until it is paid. Until it is paid. So uh, Trump, of course, comes back. You know, I got to say this. I guess we're celebrating Black History Month. I guess that's today at the station. There's a, um, what do you call that? They got a roundtable discussion coming up with five or six folks, you know. And uh, they got food coming in and, and all that good stuff. If you're any one of these people, you have to be embarrassed you really do. you got to be embarrassed by the D.A. Alvin Bragg jerk-off, by the Attorney General Letitia James repulsive, don't you? The Vice President Kamala Harris moron. I'm sorry. Black History Month. These people, these folks, are in positions of real power, and they should be folks that little kids should be looking up to. But they're all assholes, every one of them. One more. Here is uh, Donald Trump after the fraud ruling. He says we're going to appeal it, and everyone's going to leave New York. By the way, so far, he's right. Here's the 45th president on President's Day, Donald Trump, Diego, cut number five. Uh, We'll appeal. We'll be successful, I think, because, frankly, if we're not successful, New York State is gone. People are moving out of New York State, and because of this, they're going to move out at a much faster rate. 
Even my dear friend, the great constitutional attorney, Alan Dershowitz, he can't believe what went down on Friday. He's not a big Trump guy. Now, yes, of course, he wrote the book, Get Trump. So he saw all this coming way before any of these indictments were even served. But this was Dershowitz on Friday's Cats and Cosby talking about this ridiculous ruling. Diego, cut number nine. Well, in 60 years of practicing criminal law, I have never come across a case, and I've read probably 10,000 cases. They've never come across a case where there are no damages, where the banks made money, where there were no complaining witnesses, where there's no intention, and where this amount of money has been caused as a fine. It's clearly unconstitutional. It clearly is, uh, although it's not criminal, it's civil, but it's cruel and unusual punishment. It violates any sense of proportionality, and I would hope it would be reversed by the appellate division or by the New York Court of Appeals. Well, Air Judge uh, Andrew Napolitano, who joins me live in studio every Friday morning, while Alan Dershowitz hopes it'll be overturned, Judge Napolitano is confident that it will. Here's the judge, cut number 10. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to it being reversed in the appellate division, Rita and, uh, and John. Justice uh, Engeron has been appealed six times in this case, two before the trial and four during the trial. And in all six cases, he was reversed. I mean, the fundamental error here is the statute is profoundly unconstitutional because it seeks a remedy where there is no wrong. One more, Roger Stone, who does a terrific show on this station every Sunday. He's on with me every now and then. Also, like the judge and Dershowitz on Cats and Cosby, great show, 5 p.m. every weekday. He talks about Donald Trump being the victim here. Roger Stone, Diego, cut number 11. You know, I think most people see through this, Arita. I mean, Donald Trump first and his family and his companies being prosecuted under a law in which no one has ever been prosecuted previously. And there is no victim. He borrowed millions of dollars. He paid the millions of dollars back with very handsome interest. Everyone made money. Uh, people see this for what it is. It's a politically motivated prosecution designed to interfere in the next upcoming presidential election. In these civil cases, I think across the country, outside of New York State, this is playing to the president's benefit. He looks like what he is, a victim. I think uh, Roger Stone is right. And, of course, a lot of you folks on your way to work today, you're the unlucky ones. Today is a federal holiday. It is President's Day. And I want to wish the 45th and soon to be the 47th president of the United States, a man that actually hopped on a cell phone with me just a couple of days ago on Friday. I'll get to that story. Donald J. Trump. Happy President's Day, Mr. President Trump. I'll be seeing you very, very soon. Okay, big guest list about to come your way once again. This show goes five hours a day, all week long. We'll be on 6 to 11 because of a vacationing. Brian Kilmeade, Curtis Sliwa, Rich Lowry, John Katsimatidis, Steve Bannon, Carrie Lake, maybe Alan Dershowitz. Huge Monday morning show, folks, with the number one show in New York City. That's us, sitting friends in the morning, exclusively right here on Talk Radio 77. W A B C.
If you've had an accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read all of their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today at 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email at info at gabolaw.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident. The digital dollar could give the feds control of your money. Get the digital dollar report. Call 1-800-862-6970 and also receive a $1,000 credit from Priority Gold to protect your money. Or just go to digitaldollarreport.com. Please note, the information provided does not constitute financial or investment advice. 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Oh, I get by with a little help from my friends. Celebrating Black History Month here today at WABC. What better way to celebrate them with the late, great Whitney Houston. Run to you at 632 on your President's Day Monday morning. Again, I've got a great story about me and Trump from last Friday. I'll get to that probably uh, next segment. You know, I was watching uh, Mark Levin last night. First, I watched the NBA All-Star pregame coverage. And uh, that's about an hour I'll never get back what a bunch of dumb bastards. And I got to tell you, I don't understand why, and they're all nice guys. I like them all. I know more personally. I don't understand why that pregame show of Ernie Johnson, Shaquille O'Neal, Charles Barkley, and Kenny Smith is as popular as it is. It is unwatchable. First of all, Shaq mumbles his way through the whole show. I've seen it a thousand times. I never understand a word O'Neill is saying, ever. He just mumbles. Then you get Barkley, who goes up on these ridiculous tangents. 
Then you get Kenny Smith, who is clearly envious of the other two guys and basically doesn't say much. And when he does, it's annoying, and Ernie's a nice guy, but it's awful. And then they go to this, uh, they had this other pregame show for the All-Star game, which is actually pretty good. The guy that shocked me the most during the pregame show coverage last night is Golden State Warriors forward Draymond Green. He was actually really good. Green was there with some attractive lady. No idea who she is, nor do I care. And it was supposed to be Barkley, but he never got there. And then former Michigan star and New York Nick, among other teams, Jamal Crawford has turned into a pretty good NBA TV guy. In fact, he was interviewing Jason Tatum. Tatum won the MVP of last year's All-Star game. I don't know who won last night, what conference, nor do I care. And I don't know who won the MVP either, but they were talking about him winning the regular season MVP. And Tatum, if you don't follow the NBA, is a great player for the Boston Celtics. And most people agree that Boston is not just the best team in the Eastern Conference, but the best team in the NBA. And uh, they asked Tatum, Jamal Crawford did, about the possibility of winning the regular season MVP this year. And he was all into it. You know, usually the answer is, ah, listen, for me it's more about the team. I want to win a championship. He's never won that so far. But he was like, yeah, I'd love that. What a dream come true. That's an honest answer. I know, it's honest. And then he goes into how he's inspired to play last night's basketball game because being a great Boston Celtic, he had never met the great Larry Bird before until last night. So moments before he did the interview with Jamal Crawford, he met the Celtic great Larry Bird for the first time. And then did he play well? I didn't watch the game. so I would imagine he played well. They scored 400 points. <laughs> so, <laughs> Who won the MVP of that stupid game? Uh, Damian Lillard. Oh, really? Yeah. Of the um, Milwaukee Bucks. Yes. Former Portland Trailblazer. Indeed. Indeed. Everybody still sees him in a Trailblazer. You know, I know. It's so weird. <laughs> but yeah. he is on the Bucks. I didn't watch. Uh, I know that uh, Curry beat the girl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. By two. She did well. Yeah, but she did. They only did one round. It was stupid. You should. You, you got to do multiple rounds of that stuff. She uh, She plays for the New York Liberty, that yes. young lady? Yes. Yeah. She did a good job. Yeah. Sabrina Ionescu. That's right. And who won the uh, the slam dunk nonsense? Uh, the same kid as last year. It's all G League. Oh, yeah, that kid uh, McClung, yeah, right? Yeah, Mac McClung, who looks like a high school kid. He did. Yeah. He, he jumps over, like, uh, some guy and then does, like, a 360. Or... Yeah, he jumped over Shaq, which is like, I get the jumping over people thing, but come on. Enough of that it's already. Like, he's done that. A million yeah. people do that every year. So when do we, the NBA returns, I believe, on Thursday, mm-hmm. and talking about Jason Tatum, Larry Bird, and the Boston Celtics, the Knickerbockers start their quote-unquote second half, even though they played the majority of the games already this year. Right. They start their second half hosting the aforementioned Jason Tatum and the Boston Celtics at the Garden Saturday night, and I'm dying to go with Gabe. My wife and daughter are away. They're in uh, England, mm-hmm. and they're not back until next week. So me and Gabe been hanging out, you know. Right. We boys. Doing boy stuff, right. So tomorrow night we're going to see the Rangers and Stars at the Garden. Nice. And he loves the Rangers, Gabe, but he's really a Nick fan. Right. So I need Nick Celtic tickets uh, Saturday night. So if you um, would rather give your tickets to me, you should do that. <laughs> it's a good game, though. That's a problem. It's a big game. Yeah. yeah. So Why is it a problem? Well, because I, I, I don't know, given your contacts, if they'd be willing to give up such a good matchup at Why the not? Garden just so you could go. Why not? 
Well, I don't know. I guess now you're going to really find out who your friends are. <laughs> yeah, I guess so, right. If you don't give me your Nick Celtic tickets on Saturday, you're not my friend. Right. Exactly. That's the bottom line. Exactly. So, yeah. All right. The number is always 1-800-848-WABC. That's 1-800-848-9222. Working on a good 9 a.m. hour guest. We've reached out to a bunch of folks, including Alan Dershowitz. Along the way, we'll talk to Curtis Sliwa. He's always great. Rich Lowry, Katz Matiti, Steve Bannon, Carrie Lake. And if you don't forget, folks, today we go 6 to 11. In fact, not just today, all week long, Brian Kilmeade on vacation. You get an extra hour of me, 6 to 11, and then an extra hour of Curtis, because Curtis will do 11 to 1 before Greg Kelly. Now, Curtis... Uh, does the uh, 12 o'clock hour anyway. So the two hours that Brian is out, you get one more hour of me, hour number five, and one more hour of Curtis, hour number two. So clearly, we know who the king is here. This is Sid on Sports. Sponsored by Peerless Boilers on 77 WABC. Justin Ellick here with your bottom of the hour sports update sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They are the world's best built boilers. Start Saturday at MetLife Stadium where the New Jersey Devils captain Nico Heischer had two goals and an assist, including the second fastest tally to start an outdoor game. And the Devils never looked back and beating the Philadelphia Flyers 6-3 to before 70,328 fans. Nathan Bastion also scored twice. And Tyler Toffoli and Brendan Smith each had a goal as the Devils won for the third time. In four games, Nico Dawes made 43 saves in the event that kicked off two consecutive days of hockey at the home of the Jets and the Giants. This is the first time the NHL Stadium Series will have games on consecutive days with fans. The Islanders and Rangers consisted of the second leg of the festivities yesterday at MetLife after falling behind by three goals early in the second period. The Rangers kept their composure, kept up the pressure, and got a big comeback win to remain perfect in outdoor games. Artemi Panarin scored 10 seconds in overtime, and the Rangers beat the Crosstown rival Islanders 6-5 to in their stadium series game. Panarin knocked in the puck off Islanders defenseman Noah Dobson and goalie Elias Roken, and the puck trickled across the goal line after Dobson knocked the right side of the goal loose. The goal was confirmed. After a review, Vincent Trocek had two goals and an assist. And Eric Gustafson, uh, Chris Kreider, and Mika Zibanejad also scored for the Rangers, who won their season-high seventh straight and improved to 5-0 and outdoors. Panarin, Alexi Lafreniere, and Adam Fox each had two assists, and Igor Sesterkin finished with 36 saves. Rangers coach Peter Laviolette was behind the bench for his fifth outdoor game, tying Joel Kenneville for the most in NHL history and got his first win in open air. The second game in two days at the home of those Jets and Giants drew 79,000 690 fans, the third biggest crowd for an NHL outdoor game, and a little more than 9,000 higher than the attendance of that Devils-Flyers game from the day prior. No local action in the NBA to get to, given the All-Star festivities over the weekend in Indianapolis. In the highest-scoring All-Star game ever, the Eastern Conference beat the Western Conference 211-186. to That's sports sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best-built boilers. I'm Justin Alec on 77 WABC. Oi! This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. Seventy-seven WABC.
was telling you earlier that I um, I got bored of the NBA stuff, so I put on uh, Mark Levin last night. Life, Liberty, and Levin. And he was interviewing the former Israeli ambassador under Donald Trump, David Friedman. In fact, I told you, Alec, make sure you get Friedman this week. It was a great interview, and, and of course, Levin, uh, as always, did a terrific job. So I was texting Mark Levin back and forth during the interview, so clearly he taped it. <laughs> and um, I was telling him what a great job he was doing. I loved the interview. And then he had called me or texted me, I should say, Levin, on Friday night. I was having this beautiful Shabbos dinner, which I'll get to later, with Zev and Adina Brenner. And I got a text from Levin, and he said, I swear to God, he goes, no text, three or four days, I'm lonely, I miss you. I'm like, oh, my God, look at this relationship, how it's blossomed from where it was on October the 6th. Mark Levin, three or four days, where are you, I miss you. And they went on to say that he wants to have me on his amazing radio show Monday night, which is tonight, of course. So I will be on. Mark Levin's show tonight at 8.20 p.m. Eastern Time. I think it's my second time ever. He did bring me on when my book, Citizens United, came out last year. It was a very nice interview. And then, of course, we had our difficulties, our issues. So tonight I make my return to the Mark Levin show coming up at 8.20 p.m. Eastern Time right here on WABC and across the country. But i got to tell you about what happened on Friday. So Friday, I uh, I leave the station, and I head downtown to Wall Street, and I wait online for the ferry every day. Same thing, the ferry from Wall Street to Rockaway. Pretty big line, actually, on Friday. And I get a text while I'm online from my good buddy, Andrew Giuliani. And I knew Andrew was down at Mar-a-Lago playing golf. So he says, um, hey, Sid, just want you to know, 45 sends his best. So I say to Andrew, I say, okay, just um, you always tell me that, you know, when, when you're playing golf with him, you know, did he really? Or are you just trying to, you know, gain points with me, you know? So he laughed. And then about a second after that, my phone rings and it's Andrew Giuliani. And I said, what's up, Drew? He said, hold on. Someone wants to say hello. And the next voice I hear on my cell phone on Friday is President Trump. <laughs> he starts off, and he's like, Sid, how are you, my man? Now, I know Friday morning that the judge, that Engeron, that douchebag here in New York, I know Trump is guilty, and he's about to level the boom on my friend Trump. I know that. He hadn't done it just yet. So I say to the president, I go, uh, President Trump, uh, thank you for asking about me, but the real question is, how are you? And I'm not going to go into detail about what we talked about. We talked about everything from Biden to the election to Andrew Giuliani's golf game to my radio skills. Kept telling me uh, time and time again, you're number one, you're the best. He probably said the F word about five times. <laughs> I swear to God, he was so comfortable. It was so great. He's like, F this, F that. And, and then at the very end of the conversation, President Trump goes to Giuliani. He goes, uh, we got to get Sid down here. What, what, what are we doing about that? <laughs> so I said, uh, well, the good news is, uh, Mr. President, that I'm coming down the second week of March because our mutual friend Scott Lobato 
has his new movie out, The Relentless Patriot, and there's going to be a very, very small group of people, a private screening at Mar-a-Lago, and my dear friend Siggy Flicker invited me, so I'm coming. So Trump was like, oh, that's great, that's great. Do me a favor right before, let me know so I can carve out some time just for us. Wow. I'm like, what? <laughs> what? So then right after we hang up, I get a text from Andrew Giuliani. He says, listen, the next day, Thursday afternoon, the movie's Wednesday night, uh, it looks like we'll have lunch with President Trump. Just wow. us. So you three, you and I believe and... it's going to be me, Andrew, and Trump. Right. Unless, unless Trump says, I just want to be with Sid, I don't know. Right. And, of course, Wednesday night, I'll be at Mar-a-Lago for dinner and the movie. So a lot of President Trump coming up for me in a couple of weeks down in Mar-a-Lago, just absolutely surreal. Yeah. I mean, I remember the time when Bernard, God rest his soul, I spoke to his lovely wife, Carol, on Friday, came in, and he was over the moon because he, went his, he was in his backyard yeah. in Lido, right. Long Beach, and the president called him. <laughs> and actually, Bernie put his son on the phone that day. You may remember that story. Yeah, yeah. So, um, Brendan, so to have uh, President Trump on the cell phone with me on Friday and just... Like I said, just shooting the breeze, real comfortable, dropping the F-bomb, the whole thing. It was just it was just amazing. With the day that he had, too. Right. I mean, an hour later, he got leveled with a $350 million. And he knew it was coming. Right, of course. Yeah. He knew it. Yeah. He didn't care. He's out there playing golf. And wow. then he finished and did that press <laughs> conference outside of Mar-a-Lago. They're all there, Margot Martin, the whole crew. So anyway, today is President's Day, and I put a really nice picture of me and Trump together at Cipriani's back in December yeah. on my Instagram, at Rosenberg.Sydney. I compel you to follow me today, at Rosenberg.Sydney on Instagram, Sid Rosenberg on Facebook, wishing President Trump a happy President's Day because he is in my lifetime right there with Ronald Reagan. And if God is good to me, I'll be 57 in April, the greatest president I've ever seen. 45, and as I wrote in the Instagram post, Soon to be 47. Six great guests, an extra hour, sitting friends in the morning with the psychedelic birds, heartbreak beat. I'll be right back. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. I am a lineman for the county. And I drive the main road. Searching in the sun for another overload I hear you singing in the wire I can hear you through the wine And the Wichita lineman Is still on the line Great Glenn Campbell, Wichita Lyman, wrapping up a terrific hour number one, new week again, five hours every day. And you heard it all there, folks, from the uh, the lousy day Trump had on Friday. Uh, although I shouldn't say a lousy day, he did have a cell phone conversation with me. 
Uh, the Rangers get that crazy overtime win coming all the way back from a 5-3 deficit outdoors to beat the Islanders yesterday. You know, Russia, this is a story we have to cover at some point this morning, that uh, that city in Ukraine, and I think uh, you pronounce it Abdivka, the Russians have taken over that city. That is the largest gain for Putin in the, and the Russians in this war against Ukraine in quite some time. So that becomes a uh, major story today. Israel is just hammering Hamas. They're just killing them in that uh, Khan Yunus town. I believe there were 24 Hamas battalions, and I think there's only four left. I think Israel has now taken out 20 of the 24. So they're about to take over that, and then the only one that's left really in the south is Rafah, which they will take despite what Joe Biden and this traitorous American government has asked them to do, but now the fighting has really intensified up in the north with Hezbollah, so this could turn out to be a very, very rough couple of weeks for the Israelis, and that'll be basically the conversation I will have later on tonight as a guest of Mark Levin, once again coming up at 8.20. So, hour number two, about to come your way, two of five, Curtis Sliwa and Rich Lowry. Keep it right here, sitting friends in the morning. And I want you for all time. And the Wichita lineman is still on the line. Spectacular! This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Let's kick off the by lighting up. Oi! From my friends, the star of the show. Oi! Oi! I spoke to a radio broadcaster famous here in New York, WABC, Sid Rosenberg. Oi! This Oi! is Sid and Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. 77 WABC. get enough Brooklyn when uh, Curtis Slee was about to come on. This classic from the great movie Saturday Night Fever, BG's How Deep Is Your Love? And the reason why I played that this morning is yesterday, and this is going to make you all feel old, including you, Curtis. Yesterday, 
the star, Tony Monero himself, John Travolta, turned 70 years old. Happy birthday to John Travolta, turned 70 yesterday. Curtis Sliwa, of course, gets great ratings every weekday afternoon at noon. The Rip and Read also does big ratings during the overnight weekends, but does his best work alongside me every morning. He's on this show every day. One of uh, six of us, I guess. Lou, Justin, Noam, Joe Nolan, me, and Curtis. But he's not happy. I'll tell you why. So Brian Kilmeade goes on vacation for the week. And he's been on vacation before. I don't know what they do, but I guess ordinarily if he goes on vacation, they just have Curtis Sliwa do those three hours, 10 to 1 before Greg Kelly. Well, I got a call, I believe it was Friday, from Chad Lopez, and he asked me if I would be interested in hosting an extra hour every day this week, because I get huge ratings. And it would be a five-hour show. That's a lot. That's a lot. And I said, yes. I didn't think about what they would ordinarily do, which is give Curtis all that time. Now, Curtis does get hour number two, but I feel like you still feel like you got jobbed out of an hour, and you're a bit butthurt this morning. Is that true, Curtis? Man, first of all, don't be playing BGs. Don't be mentioning John Travolta going to be 70 because I'm going to be 70 on March 26th. Is that right? Same age. That's right. And he's across, remember, he's across the Hudson, Englewood, Englewood Cliffs. That's where he came from. A little bit on the light loafer side. Don't compare me to Tony Manero, huh? I lived in uh, Tenafly right by Englewood Cliffs. The great Ron Insana lives in Englewood Cliffs. He's not turning 70. He now is 70. Yeah, well, you weren't living in Alpine, so it doesn't count. No, I wasn't. But Mitchell Modell was. Yeah, no addresses in Alpine. <laughs> Let me tell you something why I am so pissed off. Yeah, what happened? I get that same call from Chad Lopez, uh, Capo di Tutti of Red Apple Media, our parent company. And he says, hey, and John wants to split. The two hours of Brian kill me like King Solomon threatened to split the baby, right? <laughs> yeah. And he goes, we're going to have Sid do the extra first hour. Right. You're going to do the extra second hour. And I just like, I was a play. <laughs> I said, what are you talking about? I always do the two hours when Brian kill me this way. He goes, oh, that's what the boss man wants. Yeah. What do you want me to fight him? <laughs> yeah. And this comes on the heels. Of John Cantamantidis pulling me out of left versus right, Saturdays versus Anthony Weiner, first substituting himself, getting better ratings than I was getting, and then putting in Roger Stone the last two Saturdays and relegating me to be the bat boy of the Ferry Lawks in Staten Island. <laughs> what is going on here, Curtis? No, this is a war on Curtis Sliwa. That's what it is. Because people are saying, oh, WABC, always broadcasting Curtis. Too much Curtis Sliwa. Too much Curtis Sliwa. People say that? Yes, and now, now this is a war here. Remember, this is like the Crusades. <laughs> I'm like Crusader the Rabbit. You're the king of daytime. You get the number one ratings, but I'm the king of overnights. I do six hours Saturday mornings, 12 to 6 to the yeah. break of dawn, then so nice, 12 midnight to 6 Sunday mornings. So I'm the king of overnights. You're the king of daytime. Sure. And let's get in on, Sid. Let's get into the pit. Let's check the ratings. You stole an hour from me. Generally, yeah. I would do. You purloined it, man. You picked my pocket. I thought you were my friend. <laughs> I'd be more than happy to give you that hour right now. Well, let's do it. Uh, management doesn't want that. 
I'm sorry. Man, they're icing me down, you know. It's sort of like they say, well, <laughs> yeah. the moon is shrinking, right? They said the moon is shrinking. They're shrinking my hours here. Listen, uh, there's nobody here who thinks uh, more of you than I do. Clearly, I have you on every day. And you know that not everybody in this building, including people in management, weren't happy about it. Damn right, man. But, they- to, com- but to compare your overnight weekends, where if you add up all the listeners, it's probably what I get in the 6 o'clock hour. So what I do every morning here at WABC is like comparing Mookie Wilson to Mickey Mantle in center field. The hell's the matter with you? Wait a second. How you, you Mookie, you, you, you beat the Boston Red Sox. With the Mook, what the hell are you talking about? Well, that's true. On You're Black right. History Week yeah. month here, today, what is wrong with you? You know, one thing that you said, though, which I do disagree with is I've never heard one person ever, and I mean this, complain too much, Curtis. In fact, every time I post something with you or mention you, I get tons and tons of Curtis adulation. I've never heard anybody ever say anything negative and or critical of you. Let me ever. tell you. Let me tell you. Hey, let me cut to the chase here. You know me. I take no prisoners. WABC always broadcasting Curtis, right? The acronym. Yeah, I guess. Go with that, sure. WABC <laughs> always broadcasting Katsimatidis. Go with that. He wants that. I say, no, no, no. I do, more hours, I do more hours than you, John. Right, let's uh, let's uh, level the playing field. Right. Then for a while, seven times in a row, WABC always broadcasting Cuomo. And then, remember, I threw the gauntlet down, and I said, if you have Cuomo on again, and he does not apologize to ICE for calling them thugs, for saying he would sue them, I'm out of here. You did say that, but but don't you think? I think he was on a grand total of three times, seven times. Is that always? You, is that you always it, broadcasting Cuomo? It was for a while. Remember? Yeah, a little. It bit. was, and notice now he's on a hiatus. Well, that was you know it was the Cuomo appearance that caused a major fight between me and Mark Levin. Which now, of course, we have fixed. And I'll oh, be a guest you're, on you're, the Vince Show like, tonight. You're going to be swapping spit tonight, man. <laughs> yeah. It's like we're going to have to extricate you uh, with a tire iron, man. You love the guy so look much. Who's ta- By the way, that's true. But look who's uh, you're so far up Sean Hannity's ass, you're checking for polyps. Wait a second. Hold on. Now, let's talk about your phone call from Trump on Friday. Yes. As you know, in addition to my any, many other duties here at WABC, I am uh, hosting the boot camp. For talk radio hosts and hostesses. You know, the young Huckleberry's coming up. Yeah, so when is that? What is that? I love the fact you you should be doing it. You're the Hall of Famer here. When is that? What is that? Well, Andrew Giuliani is on with me Sundays from 8 to 9, you know, to shape him up. So he's not always just talking about Trump playing golf with him and his daddy, which is a natural knee-jerk reaction. And he's getting better and better. I'm on with him. And then all of a sudden he says last night, 8 to 9. He says, oh, yeah, we were playing golf. I was in the uh, cart behind, and some people along the way said, oh, Andrew, WABC, we love WABC. And then all of a sudden, Donald Trump, the president, turns to Andrew and goes, oh, uh, how you doing at WABC? Well, you know, I'm on with Curtis on Sundays. Blank stare. No response. <laughs> like I'm a person of no consequence. I would have preferred him, you know, like a bull waiting to charge the matador, you know, casting invectives against When a person says nothing about you, you're a person of no consequence. Basically. And then Andrew says, yeah. The cell phone, he calls him up, and he's having, like, a love affair with you over the phone. And it's true. And he's holding up the golf game. 
<laughs> There's foursomes behind. Well, no, nobody's going to mess with Trump, right? No, no, but no. But the no, point no. is, it's because yeah. he's talking to you. He did talk to me, and, and like I said, he was very comfortable. Dropped the F-bomb a couple of times. We talked about Andrew Giuliani on radio. Uh, he said I was the best, blah, blah, blah. We talked about Giuliani on the golf course. We talked Biden. We talked election. We talked about him getting screwed in New York City. We talked about a plethora of items. But no mention of Curtis Lee in the affirmative or the no. negative. No, there is nothing but, worse but you are than not, to be marginalized. But you are not friends with the president. You don't even like the president. Doesn't matter. I'd rather him <laughs> said something <laughs> negative. Doesn't you know. matter. Come on, Sid. That's important. Oh now, my God! Now, now you mentioned my very dear friend Scott Lebedo. I did. I am a rebel with Scott Lebedo and John Tobacco. As you know, we held off the migrant encampments in Staten Island, and he's got this great documentary, The Relentless Patriot. That's debuting in Mar-a-Lago. You're going to be down there, right? Uh, that is correct. Siggy Flicker, the former Real Housewife of New Jersey and Donald Trump buddy and uh, great voice for Israel. She invited me. So it's going to be a very, very small audience, a private screening. Scott Lebedo's going to be there. Great, great. And but, President Trump's going to be there, and I'm going to be but, there. But you're in the movie. Wait, we don't know that. <laughs> Have I been left on the cutting room floor? In the middle of my campaign against Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, I took the time out from the campaign. They must have shot like four hours of me talking about Scott LeVay. Is that right? Yes, because I prepared him for the very first time he got arrested in civil disobedience. He didn't know what to do. He said, Curtis, you're the veteran. You're always getting arrested. What do I do? He talks all about that. I'm talking. I'm talking him up. Everything is true. I'll bet you I'm left on the cutting room no, floor. No, 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 you're in the movie. There's no way wait you're on the second. cutting room floor. Uh, I, wait, hold on a second. <laughs> I don't know this for a fact. I don't take anything for granted <laughs> anymore. Wait, but, but if he's one of your guys and he does love you, he's a rebel, why can't you just text him and ask him? <laughs> I know I know it's going to be more bad news. Because right now you think you're in the movie. Rudy thinks he's in the oh, movie. Rudy's definitely in the oh, movie. Oh, he's in Come the on. movie. Okay. I mean, look, the greatest <laughs> yeah. mayor of all time, America's mayor, he's in the movie. <laughs> yeah. Me, I'm the guy with the schmata, the red schmata, <laughs> the, the red keep off on my head, right? So I could have been relegated to the sidelines. Are you upset that you weren't invited to Mar-a-Lago, too? You got, uh, they job you for an hour. Now, you're not invited to Mar-a-Lago, and it's Lebedo's movie, and he's your boy. Wait a second. You know, this reminds me. The documentary that was done on Roger Stone, remember? Yes, I do. I was in that. Yes, you were. Right on up to the final second, and then I was left on the cutting room floor. <laughs> I'm the guy who said that Roger Stone is a political hitman who knows how to come for you. Once you're dead, he digs up your bones, and he kills you a second time. They said, oh, my God, this is the greatest. It's going to be right there in the front. All of a sudden, it's Eric. No, Curtis, <laughs> left on the cutting room floor. This has happened to me before, Oh, Sid, boy. And I know it's going to But when Donald Trump. He's playing golf with Andrew Giuliani, and he's just talking to Andrew. And Andrew's saying, yeah, I'm on Sunday night's WABC with Curtis Lewa. And there's no Nothing. response, not to the affirmative no. or negative. No. I know I'm a person of no <laughs> consequence. <laughs> well, I got more bad news for you. Oh, not, my, no, no, my. Yes, not only did they take an hour from you and give it to me, not only did Donald Trump call me from the cell phone on the golf course on Friday and make no mention of you, not only did your friend Scott Lebedo make this great documentary, which they're going to air at Mar-a-Lago and not invite you, but here's the worst of all. The mayor, your nemesis, the guy you may be running against, we'll see if it's him or Cuomo, coming up next year, actually did something really good this weekend, 
when he had another one of those meetings, and he's keeping the migrants out of that luxury building. Touchdown, Eric Adams. No, 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 no. no, no. Call it back. Call it, call it back. Holding. That's right. The offense. Hold on. (laughs) Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, mayor of the illegal aliens, uh, had designed that a building in Harlem, which was empty for 10 years, originally was scheduled to be high-rise condos, but they had some financial problems. You know what happens. All of a sudden, it's tied up in court. The city had uh, started to lease it, and they didn't tell the community what it was going to be. Housing for the illegal aliens, the migrants. So all the African Americans are having a town hall meeting. Eric gets word of it. He wasn't. It wasn't his town hall meeting. He did the mad dash there. He goes, absolutely not, brothers and sisters. I'm putting a stop to this. We're going to redevelop this in a different way. Because they were mad. You know how black people get when they're mad, man? They were all over him. <laughs> yeah. you, you ain't sending no migrants in here. Meantime, we got brothers and sisters in the streets, in the subways, in the streets, homeless. Man, you got to be taking care of your own. So he did the pivot and shift. Meantime, on the very same day, out there in Regal Park, which you're very familiar with, Right off of Queens Boulevard. I right? used to have a friend named Jessica Parness when I was going to Woodlands Bungalow Colony, circa 1976, who lived in Regal Park. But That's you, all I know oh, about you it. copulating and fornicating? I, mean, <laughs> yeah. I, was like, I, I was like nine years old. Oh, okay, all right. All right. Maybe she I, was your nanny. I, I, wait, no I waited till I was 14 years old to God, do that. I'm telling you. So while he <laughs> does this... Because he needs 25% of the black vote in a Democratic primary. Because you know the socialists are coming after him. If he isn't taken away in chains and shackles first to the big house by the U.S. attorney for the corruption charges. So there's the Wyndham Hotel right there on 93rd Street that has just been converted to a homeless shelter for 100 men. We don't know if they're migrants. We don't know if they're locals. The whole community is out. Hispanics, blacks, whites, Asians, right? You saw the protests. Did Eric Adams show up there? He never has meetings in advance, but he needs the black vote. He does not want to piss off the brothers and sisters because, let me tell you something, he doesn't get the black vote even if he avoids being prosecuted and arrested for political corruption, he can't be the mayor. You know, without the black vote, it's over for Eric Adams. It's over. He may not be the mayor even if he gets the black vote. You know, again, these are polls which you made me familiar with. I had no idea you were the one. Curtis Sliwa was the one who introduced that poll months back, maybe six weeks ago, that had Andrew Cuomo just killing Eric Adams, like 32 points. Yeah, and then remember, I threw the gauntlet down, and it's been a problem with me and John Katsimatidis ever since when I said, (laughs) I don't want to ever hear Andrew Evil Ice Cuomo on these airwaves until, until he apologizes to Ice because he's called him thugs. Didn't he apologize? never. I I think he did. No, no. I think he did. No, yeah, yeah, where is he? Where where is he, Mr. Uh, Ass-kister of Andrew Evil Ice Cuomo? Why don't you go out to Southampton there? You know, where he's like Michael Corleone, hitting the mattresses, stirring the marinara sauce with his brother. You know, you're so funny. You're the one who tells me all the time. You know, I go to, I'm going to be honest with the audience. So when I started becoming friendly with Eric Adams, I went to Curtis because I'm loyal. And I said, Curtis, the mayor wants to have dinner. The mayor, he goes, do it. Do it. Somebody needs to be in his ear. Somebody needs to talk to him. We need to hear what happens on the station. Yeah, put a can of corn in his ear. <laughs> so if Cuomo reaches out to me, Andrew, you've told me in the past 
Do it. Yes, and make sure before you go anywhere else in the interview, you play the cut that I play relentlessly where he called ice thugs, will sue them, they're a bunch of thugs, and he must do his mea culpa. He must buck, he must bow, he must apologize for maligning these brave men and women. And let me tell you something, Sid Rosenberg, another thing. Remember your vow to go to St. Patrick's Cathedral, right, for to get your ashes for Lent. And now because you're doing that, the transgenders went there and they had a funeral there for St. Cecilia, the mother of all whores, which has caused an eruption in the archdiocese. And remember, at one point, the biggest radio team in the city and the nation was not Howard Stern, was not Imus, it was Opie and Anthony. And remember, they convinced some of their listeners to go into St. Patrick's Cathedral and fornicate and copulate? It was called Sex for Sam, and the beer company Sam Adams actually sponsored that day. And they fell from grace. You remember, they were number one. There was nobody bigger than Opie and Anthony. I was there. I did the morning show with them. I am telling you, Sid, stay the hell out of St. Patrick's Cathedral. We don't want you with our ashes don't put your finger in the holy water. Hashem should strike you down with a bolt of lightning. And do not marginalize me. You took my hour. You purloined it. You picked my pockets. You could have told the cats, man. You could have told Chad Lopez. No, that's Curtis's. He always substituted for Brian Kilmeade the full two hours when he's away. And now you stab me in the back. Just remember... I mean, I'm Crusader Rabbit, and I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you and all my enemies. This may be my last go-round, and they're marginalizing me. WABC always meant always broadcasting, Curtis. And now, slowly but surely, they're taking one hour away, another hour away. Pretty soon, you'll hear me on an infomercial at 3 o'clock in the morning selling all kinds of supplements and vitamins in order to pay my child support. And you're a part of it, Sid Rosenberg. This is a shadna. This is a disgraziata. And don't be playing the Bee Gees, because I couldn't be more eclectic. Seventy-seven WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Seen this one before The girls get away Everybody knows it But no one tries to stop it Cause she barely even knows it But if she could see inside Everything's quiet She waits to tell him Fray, absolute at 735 on your President's Day, Monday morning. Happy President's Day to the best ever. President Donald Trump, Curtis Sliwa with an awesome job moments ago. Rich Lowry from the National Review is set to join us 
coming up here um, in a couple of seconds. You know, this uh, this uh, Charlemagne the God, he is a, I guess he's a morning show host. I don't know which station he's on. Is it Power or one of those? Working? Uh, hot 90-something? No? Is right? it, I don't think it's Hot 97. That, isn't that Peter Rosenberg, the guy from ESPN? What's that? Oh. God. So which uh, one is uh, Charlemagne the God? Flippin' knows. Flippin', what station is Charlemagne the God on? The the other one, Power 105. Oh, Power, Power 105. 105. Right. Okay, there you go. Power Hot. It was one of those. Yeah, so this guy gets, uh, for some reason, he's, like, widely known, you know? And the guy ends up on late-night TV shows. I I, I mean, I, I just want to kill myself. I... He's like the voice for the um for the what for the black community. Like he, you know, he interviews. Who made him that? I don't know. It all. St- and I think it all kind of started when he had Biden on, and Biden said, "If you don't vote for me, you're... yeah, I remember that. If you don't vote for me, yeah, you're not black, right? right. But he hates Biden. Yeah. yeah I mean, right. he didn't then, but he is uh, now. He's every opportunity he gets, Charlemagne the God, he rips Biden and says nice things. About my friend Trump. Yeah, well, uh, I wouldn't go as far as to say he says he nice, called him nice youthful things. this weekend. Youthful. Oh, well, there that's you a go. nice thing. But he also said he's a threat to democracy. So. He's a moron too. Don't get so listen. Don't don't kid. <laughs> don't, don't, don't confuse the issue. Okay. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. He, he says some some good things, but Charlemagne uh, the God is still not going to be at a mental meeting anytime soon. Right. He's only half an idiot. Right. Exactly. Right. <laughs> so he talks about uh, Republicans as being crooks. And uh, Democrats as being cowards, I guess. I don't know. Where was this uh, interview that he did here? Was this Channel 7, I think, right? Yeah, I believe it was Channel 7, indeed. I don't think Stephanopoulos was there. Was it Tobin or? No, uh, I'll, I don't I'll know. double check who it is. But... Anyway, here he is uh, from Power 105. Charlemagne the God talking about this uh, 2024 presidential election and how uninspiring the whole thing is. Cut number 19. The crooks are the Republicans, the, the cowards are the Democrats because they don't fight hard enough on anything. And, you know, the couches vote of apathy. So the crooks are the Republicans. The cowards are the Democrats. Here he takes a shot at Joe Biden, Charlemagne the God, cut number 20. Nothing about, you know, Joe Biden that makes you want to listen to him. That's why he should be leaning on, you know, his vice president, Kamala Harris, who's way more charismatic than him. Yeah, actually, Jonathan Call, uh, Alec tells me, did the interview. So he says, Biden is uninspiring. He says, the crooks are the Republicans, the Democrats are the cowards. And then to your point, Alec, he does take a shot at my friend Donald Trump, cut number 21. It's absolutely true. And it's mind-boggling to me that, you know, nobody is taking it as serious as I feel like they should. Uh, what he was saying by that is Trump being a threat to democracy. This moron, Charlemagne, the guy says, it's absolutely true, you dumb bastard, and people should be taking it more seriously. And for some reason, people take him seriously. I just... Well, yeah. I don't, what do you mean, well, yeah? I why? No, I don't. I, don't I, I think he's got a stupid name. I don't know why he spells that. that well, that's with... not his name anyway. His know, name is that. like a Larry or something. Lenard. <laughs> what is it? Lenard Larry McKelvey. Something like that. No, yeah. that, that, that is his name. It's not something like that. That is, that is his name. And how good does that show do? They get big ratings? Yeah, I guess. But I don't, they I don't listen to it. Isn't it music? Or, I have no idea. I don't know. Flipman likes that type of stuff. What, what does he do in the morning over there? What is that? 
Um, that's a good question as far as if they play records. Like, I, I don't know if they do records. music. I know they what, do. What, you still in 1985? <laughs> it's like a whole what do you mean records? You know what I'm saying. Like, I don't know if they music. actually have they don't play music. music breaks or if it's just a straight talk show. I think it's just a straight talk show. Yeah, but they have rappers on sometimes that they, like, freestyle with and stuff. Yeah. You know. Who else is, is there with them, this genius? Uh, I, I'm... <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> he can't be all by himself. Though. No, he's, he's not. He's, he's got, got a like cast. a cast of characters. He's got yeah. a whole cast of people. Yeah. Right. Any of them white? No. <laughs> no. 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 I don't. I don't think. I don't so. think so. No, Maybe. I'm trying to pinpoint one, and I can't. I just don't understand why he's like the voice of any. I mean, he may be a. You know, he's a. I guess he's okay. He's not. He's not stupid. He's not. But he's no genius, and he's not all that entertaining. Like, what? What makes him such a big deal? How does? How does he get the name the God? Who gave him that name? Well, he gave himself that name. He self-proclaimed God? Yeah. You know, Bob Raceman in the New York Daily News referred to me for many years as Sidiot. <laughs> half Sid, half idiot. Yeah. I, I feel like he could, he could have done better than that. He could have called me the God. <laughs> right now, I'm the God. <laughs> Sid the God. Yeah, I guess. I mean, you're God. You know, you're a king, apparently, now. So I am the king of all Jews. That's right. right. I don't know if you could be both. I have no idea. I, I just of... know that this uh, Charlemagne clown, right. for some reason, gets uh, gets a lot of play. I mean, how do you end up with Jonathan Carl on Channel 7? Let's be honest. I don't know. When you're at Power 105 in New York City talking to a bunch of morons. Because they think he's probably indicative of the way that uh, the black no, you're right. might vote. No, you're right. They do. So, there you have it. All right. We got uh, a lot more to do this morning uh, coming up in the 8 o'clock hour. We're going to talk to Katz and uh, Steve Bannon. I love when Steve Bannon comes on. Dr. Mark Siegel's going to be here. Carrie Lake is going to be here. Maybe Alan Dershowitz as well. So a lot going on. I guess we'll come back and uh, we'll talk to Rich Lowry on the Monday edition, the President's Day edition. My man, Donald Trump. Happy President's Day of sitting friends in the morning. Is sit in friends in the morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Someday, 7.46 on your Monday morning. We put this time aside every week. He's a great guest. He is the editor of the National Review. Often his stuff is syndicated right here in the New York Post, Political, NBC, all of it. He's my dear friend, Rich Lowry. Rich, happy President's Day, buddy. How are you? Same to you. Hey, nice Rangers comeback yesterday. 
That was awesome, wasn't it? But three goals in four minutes or whatever it was. I like pulling the, the goal uh, early in the first power play. Very well done. It was well done. I've elected you know, a good job. I congratulate you for what the Rangers do. Like, like on the <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I have a lot to do with it sitting in my house in Rockaway. But but it was. It was a great comeback. And all their big guns scored. I mean, they got the uh, the fourth goal from Kreider, the game-time mm-hmm. goal from Zabinijad, the game-winning goal in overtime from Panarin. He's having a great year. He's got 32 goals. So, yes, it was uh, a nice comeback. And the Rangers are right there with the Panthers and the Bruins atop the Eastern Conference. Today, though, is President's Day. I have a nice picture of me and Trump on my Instagram, on my Facebook page, and wishing uh, Mr. Trump, Mr. President Trump, a happy President's Day. And I'm quick to say that in my lifetime, and if God is good to me, I'll be 57 in April, that the best presidents, the best two-term president, Ronald Reagan, the best one-term president, Donald Trump, Trump may be the best ever. What about for you? In your lifetime, you have a guy that you would pick number one? I'm still I'm still a Reagan guy, but you know Washington and Lincoln they're, they're obviously they're giants. Those are the guys that the country might have collapsed or never come together without them. Especially Washington, just right at the beginning, it's just his wisdom, um, his selflessness, his talents, uh, and his willingness and his, his knowledge that he was kind of setting the precedent for a lot of things, including you know uh, stepping aside after two terms, which FDR violated. Um, by the way, I wrote a column about FDR a week ago in 1944. It makes Joe Biden. He makes Joe Biden look like a you know a healthy spring chicken. The guy was dying. Yeah, they didn't tell anyone. I know. He didn't even tell Harry Truman he was dying. And he was a scumbag too. He uh, he knew full well the Jews were being exterminated in Germany and did mm-hmm. nothing about it. I mean, did nothing about it. So when people talk about FDR being this great president, I want to puke all over myself. So you're going Washington, Lincoln, and in the modern era, Reagan. Yeah, I mean, I think the country in the 1970s was just in a terrible place and you know we're about the same age i remember gas lines when i was growing up in virginia i remember my parents not being able to afford food a little bit like what's happening now you know chicken was a was a treat you know you'd never have steak so they were they're kind of kennedy democrats and then they they migrated over they're just like this is insane we can't have this anymore we're republicans how would you categorize yourself i mean are you you were a once a never Trumper. You're still not a big Trump guy. You guys have a nice relationship and certainly respectful of each other, but you're still not a big Trump guy. Uh, how would you categorize yourself? Are you a Democrat, Republican, independent? <laughs> what are you? I'm a conservative Republican who's who's never going to be fully on board Trump. I'll defend him as we do all the time, every week when he's when he's attacked unfairly. Praisingly, does good stuff. But I'm not, um, you know, I'm not like your 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 friend, Mr. Bannon, who's, who's in a, a different place. No, Ideologically, no, 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 I, I got it. But, but, but tell me Trump. why. What What is your big issue with Trump that you could never get there? I think it's the uh, the way he behaves. Um, you know, if if he were just um, uh, more, more statesmanlike, and, and I know there are upsides to the way he behaves. We've talked about that too. He scared people overseas, and that that's great. We we had a more more peaceful world than we than we do now. But if if he could just take it down, I don't know. You can argue about the notches, four or five notches. <laughs> you know, yeah, but, you know, right, yeah, yeah. but you know, I, I got to tell you, I was right with you, and uh, that's why I voted for Hillary back in 2016. That's why I fought vehemently with Bernard for a full year. And not to be disrespectful, but who cares? I mean, he's the president of the United States. His job is to keep us safe, and he did an amazing job. His job was to make sure your money was earning money in the bank, and he did that. I mean, this this idea that he's, you know, he's uh, he's bullish and he's nasty, who cares? It has well, nothing to I mean, do with we, the job. Nothing. The idea that the president has to be eloquent is absolute myth. Well, just at, at the practical level, if he had taken it down some amount of notches, he would have won a 20. 
he just would have won in 20. What, what, just, how do you know he, that? What if the election was rigged? No, I, I mean, I've talked to Republican congressmen say, I went to my district and people say in in the suburbs, I'll vote for you, but I'm not voting for that guy. So then there's like a the House members outran Trump about four points, Republican House members in the suburbs because of that and, and because of it, Trump. Trump lost. No, listen, uh, no, no. I, I, I do know people that also were tired of Trump and they were looking forward to the, you know, Biden talked about, you know, taking down the fever, taking down the thermometer. But mm-hmm. when you say take it down a couple of notches, give me something practical. What are you saying exactly? What, what does he do exactly that that pisses you off? You know, it's and I'm not I'm not outraged by this stuff necessarily the way everyone else is. But, you know, dumping on East Baltimore. You know, it's it's. There's but he's Baltimore it, but is what? an asshole. Wait, it is an yeah, asshole. Know, but but you say it, and then people, half the country concludes, oh, this guy's a jerk and do, doesn't like but black people. But why? He's Baltimore. honest. I don't understand. He's on. If, if if East Baltimore looked like Boca Raton, I'd say you got an argument. There. <laughs> it is an but asshole. The thing is, there's a cost. There's just a political cost to it. So you you lose the presidency over it, and I don't think that's worth it. So I think it's worth it to lose if you do big substantive things. You know. Yes, let's let's take take the risk to to move the ball substantively. I just think uh, hurting yourself with people uh, over just comments, you know, on social media. There's no there's no need to do it. There's just no need to do it. And I, I believe it it hurt us big time at twenty. And now what? Now he's uh, he's murdered the rest of the Republican field. Nikki Haley was just on Fox and Friends. She looks and sounds like an idiot. He's going to kill her Saturday night in South Carolina. He's beating Biden by a ton of points in every poll. So are you telling me now that people are just overlooking all that nonsense you just talked about? They're just sick and tired of where the country is being run? Because if the answer is yes, then my original point is right. Mm-hmm. If they're coming back to him, then they're coming to the conclusion of, who cares about that other yeah, the, nonsense? The answer, the answer at the moment is yes. Uh, there's a Trump nostalgia based on policy, based on results. That's a great thing. We've talked about it a lot. If, you, if that holds true, he's going to win. And at the moment, I think he's going to win. But they have a lot of material to use against them. A lot of stuff's going to happen. Um, and I, I think it'll be a very close race where, again, a Trump that's a, a couple notches down would, would defeat Biden handily. But I think it's going to be a, a razor-thin race. You do think it's going to be very that's close. Right. That's where I am, Sid. I can't help it. Do you, yeah. And do you still feel like, that's okay, uh, you're a loud man, you're American. Uh, do you still feel like Joe Biden will be the candidate for sure? Yeah, I still just, you know, he's, he doesn't want to go anywhere. No one's going to convince him to go anywhere. There's no mechanism to make him go anywhere, and there's not any alternative. So I, I, I thought actually it was, it was a good idea for ABC to do that interview with Charlemagne, the guy that you, you played a segment or two ago, because it does show, you know, what black voters are, are thinking. And but but his his uh, solution, we need more Kamala Harris. Come on. I mean, come right? on. So he's, he's absolutely right about Biden. But then he's wrong about Kamala Harris. And if, if both the president and the vice president are, are terrible, I just think you're you're stuck. Fair enough. Let's take a quick break. Uh, Rich Lowry, always honest and always terrific. So much going on around the world. Israel, Hamas, the north. They've taken it up a step. Russia actually takes over a huge city. In Ukraine, so foreign policy now may be more important than ever. The great Rich Lowry with me, Sid, coming back right after this.
is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Brian Adams, One Night Love Affair. Joe Abood on the discussion that Larry and I were just having about Donald Trump says the great, the best ever men's fashion designer, Joseph Abood. Here's the perfect analogy about leadership. Would you rather have a pilot who speaks nicely over the intercom or a man who can actually fly the plane? <laughs> Pretty good point. Uh, Rich, I want to get to some of the uh, foreign policy stuff that's going on right now. Russia yesterday overtook a uh, big-time city, Avdivka, in Ukraine. And, of course, Israel is battling Hamas. It has intensified in the north with Hezbollah quite a bit. So the world is basically on fire. And the Senate put together this ridiculous package a 90-plus billion-dollar bill, of which another $60 billion to Ukraine, only $14 billion to Israel. The House tried to stand alone $18 billion bill to Israel. Never even made it through the House. So right now there's basically no bills protecting anybody, including the border right here in the United States. What are your thoughts on that the last few weeks? Well, I think it, it, it all could pass. I mean, all has majorities in the Senate and, and the House. If, if Speaker Johnson put the $90 billion on the floor, it would, it would pass. You know, not a lot of Republican votes, but some Republican votes and a lot of Democrats votes. But he doesn't want to do that because he doesn't, doesn't want to get Kevin McCarthy. I support it all. I, I would support real um, border measures, you know, much sterner than, than was what in that, that was in that deal. I think Ukraine needs artillery shells. I think Israel needs help. I think Taiwan needs help and our defense industrial base, which is a disgrace. And we'll basically run out of missiles in a week, if we ever, God forbid, get in a war with China, needs to be buttressed in, in keeping with our uh, our statuses, you know, <laughs> in a really important global power. So uh, I like it all, but the question is how to get it through the House, and I'm not sure that Johnson's going to unlock that box. I don't think he's going to unlock that box either. I think he's, look, he's under a lot of pressure. I think it's the same guys that ousted Kevin McCarthy, the same guys, and girl, my friend Nancy, that uh, didn't want any part of Scalise or Jordan, for that matter. Mm-hmm. I think this guy's having the same or going through the same amount of pressure yep. from the same folks who basically run that thing. It's like eight of them. They run that thing. Yep. Yeah. You know, I think it played it played some role in the, the New York special election. Not a lot, but just like sort of the chaotic look. And I think it was stupid to, to shoot Kevin McCarthy in the back of the head. He's a deaf tactician. 
and an operator and, and likes raising money and is really good at it. And you shoot that guy in the back of the head, you know, yeah. and, uh, and Johnson's a, a nice and a good guy, but it was, it's just a really, really hard job. Um, so if they lose the house, I think having ousted McCarthy would probably have, um, a pretty significant role in it. What'd you think of that and, whole race last week where once again, Mozzie Pillip lost and lost pretty convincingly too. I mean, I had, mm-hmm. uh, she was on election day and Peter King was on election day and Curtis Sliwa was on the day before and they were all very confident she was going to win and she didn't really even come close. Actually yeah, led to a, uh, it was a good back and forth on this radio show when Vicky Palladino called in, uh, surprised. She was not booked as a guest and she called in to talk to Peter King on body. It made for great radio, but mm-hmm. tensions were, were high in Queens. Tensions were high on Long Island. And in the end, Philip did not get the win. What are your thoughts on that race? So, and you, hats off, Sid. You're right yet again. You, you called it. I agreed with you. So we were both right, but I was, I was, uh, bringing up the, the tale there. Um, I think it goes to a problem that we've kind of, Republicans have lost high propensity suburban voters who vote a lot. They're going to turn out in these sort of elections. And the kind of voters we've picked up, you know, kind of work, working class Trump voters, they'll come out for Trump. You know, but they won't necessarily come out for anyone else. Right. So that's why, you know, I think Trump Trump uh, can can win this this November. I mean, it'll be just massive turnout, massive. But we, we've seen this pattern of, of losing that kind of seat kind of over over and over again now. One more on uh, Trump. We'll let you run another great conversation, which you really are tremendous. Uh, Nikki Haley has 9000 complaints about Trump. That's why she's still in the mm-hmm. race. She's basically like a surrogate for Joe Biden at this point. She replaced that fat, stupid Chris Christie. So, uh, so <laughs> she, she's waiting for Donald Trump to come out and say Putin killed Navalny. Which we all know is true. I mean, it's the most obvious. They came out the other day, Kamala Harris and Joe Biden, like they were Sherlock Holmes, like they figured out, you know, the the crime of the century, these morons. So she's like, Trump has to say something. My question to you is, does he? I I think he should. I mean, I mean, this is, even Tucker Carlson's like this. This is appalling. But you know, Nikki, she's she's become a protest candidate, and I'm not sure what the play is. You know, I I kind of thought another thing I was wrong about. I thought she'd kind of get out before South Carolina before the humiliation. But she's become a protest candidate. She's going to stay in in the hopes that one, you know, lightning strikes and Trump, you know, golf cart is taken out. <laughs> and, and, but she's not. Even if that happened, you know, God forbid, she's not going to be the nominee. I mean, there are no Trump delegates who are going to vote for her. She couldn't unite the party, and also this play isn't going to help her in 28. So I think it's it's a kind of I told you so play. If Trump loses in November, she can say I told you so, but that's not going to get her anything. Yeah, but look, you just said it. I mean, the whole idea is pave a way. I mean, I think DeSantis was getting dangerously close to what you're talking about, falling apart and disappearing. But when mm-hmm. he gets out right away after Iowa and Donald Trump says nice things, now when you look ahead towards 2028, DeSantis, yep. I think, is in play again with guys like Youngkin and others. She really is destroying mm-hmm. her future in this party. Yeah, I mean, maybe she just has realized she doesn't have a future in the party. But you're right, DeSantis, you know, he, his favorable state stayed pretty high the whole time, you know, and that that, that bodes well for 28. I still think it's going to be hard for him. In 28, there's no time, no way he's going to be as big as he was during during COVID, and, and this presidential campaign is going to going to leave a mark, and a lot of stuff's going to happen, right? We're going to have a Veep nominee, we might have a, a Republican vice president. If Trump wins, there'll, there'll be new players, and and I think you know this this field will look like the, the field in 2016 does now. You know, people who just are yesterday's news. Who do you think uh, on the way out here is uh, an up-and-comer on both sides? I just mentioned Youngkin, obviously, out of Virginia. Uh, I don't know if it's J.D. Vance. I don't know. Who, who is uh, who is an up-and-comer in each party looking forward towards 2028? 
I think Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Uh, I think I think there's a chance that she she could be tapped as as Veep. JD Vance, obviously hugely a- ambitious. Um, and uh, on on the other side, I'm not sure who's you know governors or someone. Gavin, I guess clearly Gavin, right? Gavin will run with bells on in in 28. He's probably the only one. You're right. Well, Rich, as always, buddy, great job. Thank you so much. Have a great week. Take care. You too. That's uh, the great editor of the National Review. He's here every Monday morning. Does a terrific job. My friend, Rich Lowry, that wraps up two hours. And those are two great hours. Curtis Sliwa and Lowry in the 7 o'clock hour. We're going to talk to Katz and the great Steve Bannon here in the 8 o'clock hour. Keep it right here. Hour 3 of 5. You get me from 6 to 11 all week long with Brian Kilmeade on vacation. Hour number 3 coming up. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. What you say? Just a friend. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Oi! And I'd give up forever to touch you. Because I know that you feel. Iris, 813, President's Day morning. Been a great show already. Curtis Sleever, Rich Lowry stopped by. We're still going to hear from a bunch of folks, including Steve Bannon, Carrie Lake, Dr. Mark Siegel, maybe Alan Dershowitz as well. want you guys to know that when you go to the WABC radio store, this is very exciting stuff, you know. You can buy my book. Now, I'm not the only one. John Katzmatidis wrote an amazing book last year. And he has sold a ton of copies. It is a great book. You're going to find out how to make your first billion dollars. And there's others in the bookstore, Donald Trump Jr., Judge Janine. But my newest book, Citizens United, is uh, in the bookstore. And you can go buy it today. And you'll learn a whole bunch about me, too. Some of my opinions that you hear every day, whether it's Donald Trump or Tom Brady. Some very special moments between me and my late father, and my great son, Gabriel, my daughter, Ava, wife, Danielle, as well. I think you're going to love the book. It is Citizens United. And uh, don't forget, folks, when you go to social media and check this out, just click on the link and the bio, and uh, you'll find out a heck of a lot more about it. Citizens United, available today and every day in the WABC Radio store. 
All right, John Katzmatidis is the man. He owns this station. He does two amazing shows every Sunday morning. you got to love that one, 8 a.m., the Catch Round Table. Common Sense Prevails, always tells both sides of the story. Had a great show yesterday. And then, of course, 5 o'clock every weekday afternoon with Rita Cosby, the great Katz and Cosby show. And he's now on every Monday at 8.15 a.m., my man John Katzmatidis. John, good Monday morning, buddy. How are you? Well, good morning, Sid. I, I, I got to tell you something. All I heard all weekend long was your name. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I was in Florida, and uh, me and Chad were in Florida, and uh, uh, Emily and Margo were with us, and uh, uh, we had business meetings in uh, Naples and in Palm Beach. And everybody says, I think you guys did a great job sending Sid to uh, uh, to Israel. No kidding. I, I will tell you, hundreds of people stopped us to tell us that. <laughs> well, you know, listen, to be honest, I still have a really big fan base down there. Don't forget, John, I worked in Miami radio for 11 years, three different stations, 790 The Ticket, 560 WQAM, and 640 Sports. Uh, that's why I'm really excited. I hope at least one day down the road with all the stations you've been buying that we have a presence in Palm Beach and South Florida because those people still listen on the free app today. They're still listening from South Florida, so I'm happy to hear that. Thank you, John. I do want to ask you about the president. So I just had Rich Lowry on. Today is President's Day. I put up a really nice picture of me and President Trump on my Instagram, on my Facebook, celebrating Trump. In my lifetime, John, I'm going to go on a limb here and say that my two favorite presidents are Reagan and Trump. You know, obviously, I know about Washington. I know about Lincoln. But I wasn't around with those guys. If I ask John Katzmatidis, now, you're different because you're actually friendly with a bunch of these guys. Everybody from Donald Trump to Bill Clinton. Do you have a favorite president of all time? Uh, Well, Ronald Reagan was a real cowboy. He was a real great president. Uh, Bill Clinton was one of the smartest guys I know. He, he, he had, I bet you he had an, over 160 IQ. He, uh, he, he, he would walk into a room, remember everybody's name and make everybody feel good. Um, but, and, and when I used to run those, uh, dinners for, uh, uh, for the president, Bill Clinton, um, there's 20 or 20, 20 business people in the room for two hours. And he would take, they would ask questions. And he would answer all 20, all the questions in detail. Now, nobody is, is that, he didn't know what the questions are in advance. But he, there was no violin playing his behind his back. Out of all the dinners we had, there was only one time I can remember he said that um, uh, he wrote it down. He says, "I don't know the answer to that one, but I'll get back to you." <laughs> yes, buddy. I uh, Donald Trump. Yeah. You know, uh, I know him for forty years, over forty years, and. Uh, He's a cowboy too. He's uh he is uh you know, he grew up in the construction industry. He learned how to be tough. Uh, and um uh I, I think he would make a, a right now the, the 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 world is in a mess. 
And I, I think we do do need a tough president right now. And that's why I said if, if the choice was Biden and uh, and Trump, I would vote for Trump for sure. I mean, uh, he is one tough guy. He has the courage to, 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 to put his foot down. There's nobody playing a violin behind his back. No. And uh, I don't think he's uh, I don't think uh, uh, he he loves America. So what else do you want? No, I agree. And, and, and to me, you guys have a lot of similar qualities, not every way. But, you know, neither John Katzmatidis nor Donald Trump could be bought. You know, you guys are both very, very successful, even though they're trying to take away all of Trump's money. They're really trying. Uh, you guys are real leaders. And you guys make decisions, whether it's you and your, your businesses, John, or Trump in this country, based upon how you feel. Now, now, now what was uh, Kennedy for you? Was he, was he somebody you liked when you were growing up? Uh, John Kennedy? Yeah. John Kennedy was loved America. He loved women, too, but doesn't make him a bad guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and... Uh, uh, he was, people loved him. Uh, he had the ability to have people love him. And um, uh, I, I think my personal opinion is he was assassinated. I don't think Oswald is the only person involved. Neither do I. Um, I, I think uh, some of our intelligence people were involved. Uh, they thought that uh, uh, he was a. They thought he was a danger to exposing things. Some of the intelligence agencies thought that uh, should not be exposed. And that's it. And the next thing you know, he's in a limousine and uh, he gone. Uh, John Katzmatidis. My, my feeling. Yeah. My feeling is I thought, I just my opinion, I thought uh, uh, Lyndon Johnson knew, not that he caused it, but that he knew it was going to happen. Really? You think Lyndon Johnson knew beforehand? My personal opinion. Wow, wow. So let me ask you about Florida for a second, John, because, you know, you built this gorgeous building, and I know you guys are selling apartments right now. It's the tallest tower the western part of Florida, in St. Petersburg. Danielle and I are dying to live there. <laughs> Gorgeous building. Uh, state of the art. But you're not there this trip. You're you're doing your oil stuff. So you're in Naples. You're in Palm Beach. But now you've been to Florida twice in the last month. And when you come on this show, you talk specifically about how disappointed you are and where New York City is heading. And I know it's been waiting the last couple of days in South Florida, John, but for the most part, you get gorgeous weather. It's very, very clean. There is no state tax. There's not homeless people laying all over the road in all these cities, especially Naples, that you go to. So are you telling me that when you and Margo in Florida, you don't have just a little bit of an itch to maybe stay there? Palm Beach is a subsidiary of New York. It's the... Palm Beach and Miami are probably the sixth borough of New York. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I walk around uh, the Breakers Hotel, and uh, nice. everybody everybody from New York is there, uh, and uh, they uh, they they love it. The weather is great. Uh, 
people walk around Palm Beach, walk around Naples, walk around St. Pete, and they feel safe. And uh, that's why, you know, I interviewed Governor Hochul yesterday. And uh, uh, she now also has an apartment in New York, we learned. It was, uh, that was one of the big surprises in my interview. And I said, uh, good, I'm glad she has a You mean in the uh, city? She, she's in the city? In the city. Yeah? Yes. I didn't know. Yeah. The Upper East Side, she has an apartment. It's uh, in the New York Post today, too. And um, I'm, I said, I'm happy she lives in the city because maybe she'll find out what really is going on in the city versus what her people are telling her, I said. Right. And you know how that goes. Yep. I mean, you know, a lot of these people uh, uh, only know what, what their staff people tell them. And uh, there's so many things going on in our city. The other thing that came to uh, uh, yesterday, one of the things I asked her uh, that made the Hill newspaper uh, was the fact that uh, does she think uh, the, that this will scare business people what happened to President Trump. Uh, and I said uh, that uh, if it could happen to the former president of the United States, Business people are going to be scared. And by the way, uh, to your point, just to emphasize what you're saying, John, that's exactly what President Trump said on Friday after the decision. He said, who would stay here? If they're taking $400 well, million from me, who would stay here? Let me tell you what, what happened so you know and our listening audience knows. Because of my interview, I also said to her uh, that you as governor should review this because I, I think it could hurt New York State. Uh, she initially said that, look, it is, uh, she doesn't want to inter- interfere with the justice system, et cetera, et cetera. But you know what happened this morning, I said? What? Uh, check the news. I understand that there's a hold on the execution of trying to sell his property. Oh, wow. Okay. Yes, there is a hold. So maybe that's a, yeah. Maybe somebody in yeah. Albany is listening. Yeah. You never know. Well, you know what I would like to see, Kathy Hochul? That's a great job out of you, John. Either way, whether she does something or not, just the fact that you had her on and brought it up is uh, is a testament to you. That's a great job. But I got to tell you, you know I'm not a very, very big fan, uh, but where she would get some points with me is if she would just fire Alvin Bragg. And people say the same thing to me. She doesn't like him. She she was very critical of Alvin during this whole beat-up cop thing in Times Square. But they keep saying the same thing, that she wants him around because he's also going after Donald Trump. And at the end of the day, Kathy Hochul, like Letitia James, loves that type of thing. Any truth to that, you think? Um, she is getting more and more concerned about the crime situation. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, every every situation has uh, an F.U. situation yeah. where you reach the F.U. Yeah. where you reach the F.U. point. Yep. Uh, I think um, I think she may reach it uh, sooner or later and say enough is enough. I said to her, uh, you know, we used to have under the Rockefeller law three strikes and you're out. I said, we got criminals uh, with five, 10, 15, 20. I said, at what point is it? Do you, let's set a point. Is it five? Is it ten? At what point do you say enough is enough? Uh, ten, ten violent criminal charges? You know, I said, some of these people do not belong. They don't belong in civilized world. Nope. Tends it off a lot, by the way. I, she, I, did she, she agree? Heard what I said. 
By the way, the, the mini cast of the uh, uh, is available on WABC website. So uh, if anybody wants to hear the actual uh, website, it's the uh, my interview with Governor Hochul yesterday. It's on our WABC website. I recommend uh, people do that. I compel you to do that. Go listen to the mini cast. John Katz Matidis, his great Sunday show. It really is great. The Katz Roundtable with Governor Kathy Hochul. John, as always, I love it that you're coming on now this time every Monday morning. Great to catch up. And I will see you here in the offices uh, very, very soon, buddy. Love you. Thank you so much. Take care. I'll see you. Take care. I love that story, too, Today John. Black said. History Month. Yeah, that's true. We're, we're, gonna, we're doing a big yeah. thing today, right? Yes, today. We're going to have a, um, what, what do you call that? A, a roundtable discussion. That's right. So thank a you, John. A roundtable discussion about the progress of black America. I love it, baby. Thank you, John Katsimatidis. I love that story that people down in Florida were telling him a great job with Sid in Israel. I love that story, John Katsimatidis. <laughs> I love it. You're the best, John. You're the best. We'll take a short break more of Sid on a Monday right after this. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Friends, how many of us have them? Friends. 77 WABC. When the sun came up this morning And she smiled her smile for me Felt it for the first time Something deep inside of me So you can take your midnight rambling boy And you can keep your winding roads She's living inside my heart now Inside. The great Bob Seger, Living Inside My Heart. You know, this song, they used it in the movie about last night. Remember the scene when a naked, young, hot Demi Moore was in the kitchen? Uh-huh. With a naked, young, hot Rob Lowe, I guess. Well, how could you forget it? <laughs> with the moon shining in and Seger playing in the background. I told you last week that there's a school in Long Beach that's about to honor... My late great partner, my dear friend Bernard McGurk. Let me give you these uh, details before we get to Steve Bannon, Dr. Mark Siegel, maybe Alan Dershowitz, Carrie Lake, and don't forget them on till 11 today and all week long. We've already had Rich Lowry, John Katzmatidis, Curtis Sliwa. It's been a great show. On Saturday, March the 23rd, Long Beach Catholic School will honor alumni parent Bernard McGurk as the school's Largest annual fundraiser for Crystal Ball takes place. Bernie and his family, Carol, who I spoke to Friday, his beautiful wife. I love Carol. Brendan and his daughter, Melanie. Melanie is now a court stenographer. Wow, really? I believe that said that in the uh, text that Carol sent me. Yes. Yeah, because she was working hard towards yes. it. Yes. Congratulations to Mel's. Big time. So Bernie, Carol, Brendan, and Melanie will be recognized at the dinner with a new initiative this year. That is aimed to posthumously honor, that sounds weird, my dear buddy Bernard McGurk and support Long Beach Catholic Schools' families in need. 
They're earmarking a portion of funds raised at the Crystal Ball this year to launch the Bernie McGurk Family Assistance Fund. This fund will provide tuition assistance to school families who have lost a parent or are suffering financial hardship. Long Beach Catholic is celebrating its 70th anniversary of providing an exemplary faith-filled education to thousands of elementary students. They do a great job. The school is entering a pivotal time, and the need to support Catholic school education is critical. Not been immune to the hardships facing Catholic schools across Long Island, and they're asking you today to partner with them to raise essential funds to ensure the longevity of their beloved LBCRS. To uh, purchase tickets or to make a donation to the Bernie McGurk Family Assistance Fund, just visit lbcrs.org backward slash crystal ball. So, my man Bernard. It's a beautiful thing. That is a beautiful thing, yes. And um, I'm glad, you know, Bernie's gone, gone like 16 months now. Yeah. But um, Bernard McGurk, gone, but never forgotten. Carol, Brendan, Melanie, congratulations. I'll be there with Danielle, of course. We love you guys. Congratulations, Bernie McGurk. And, folks, make your plans today to be there coming up Saturday, March the 23rd, as we honor my late great partner and dear friend, Bernie McGurk. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. We have a totally corrupt attorney general. She campaigned on the fact that I will get Trump, I will get Trump. Everybody's seen it. Leticia James. They've all seen it. Well, we'll be appealing. But more important than that, this is Russia. This is China. This is the same game. All comes out of the DOJ. It all comes out of Biden. It's a witch hunt against his political opponent, the likes of which our country has never seen before. You see it in third world countries, banana republics, but you don't see it here.
There he is, my friend. Happy President's Day to 45 and soon to be 47, Donald J. Trump, who <laughs> grabbed the phone from Andrew Giuliani on the golf course on Friday and spent about five minutes on the phone with me that was surreal and fun. And the president and I discussed an awful lot of stuff last Friday. I'll be seeing the president down in Mar-a-Lago in a couple of weeks for Scott Lobato's movie, The Relentless Patriot. And uh, I celebrate Donald Trump today on this President's Day. Just a reminder, because Brian Kilmeade's on vacation this week, I'm going five hours. I'm a beast. I'm like Trump. Trump and Sid, same guy. I'm a beast. Five hours of the best morning show anywhere in the country. I'm on till 11 today and the rest of the week. And don't forget, coming up at 8.20 p.m. later on tonight, I'll be a guest on Mark Levin's great radio show, Levin Great TV show last night. Had David Friedman on. That was great. So you can check me out later on tonight at 8.20 on this station with Mark Levin. But we put this time aside every Monday morning for a guy that you guys love. I love him. And the fans and the guests and the, uh, I should say, the listeners really love him. He's got his own great show, The War Room, which he's doing today. And, of course, again, here every Monday, the great Steve Bannon. Steve, good morning, buddy. How are you? Uh, morning, Sid. Thank you so much for having me on on, on President's Day. Um, because you know uh, Donald Trump is only the third, like General Washington and uh, Abraham Lincoln. He is only the third individual in this country whose personal fate and destiny is inextricably linked to the fate and destiny of this republic. And so that's why I think it's great on President's Day you're uh, honoring and celebrating and commemorating uh, not just uh, General Washington and Abraham Lincoln, but also uh, President Trump. I am. And, you know, before Trump won in uh, 2016, and I'm a relatively young guy. If God is good to me, Steve, I'll be 57 in April. But before he won, when I was asked a question about the best president in my lifetime, it really wasn't difficult. It was Reagan. I mean, it was easy, actually, because I'm old enough to remember. I was 12, but I remember 1979. I remember the gas lines, my father waiting for three hours for gas in Brooklyn, I remember the hostages in Iran when Ted Koppel and Nightline was born. I remember boycotting the Olympics. And then I remember Reagan. You know, we beat the Russians in hockey. The hostages got out. It was just, it really was morning in America. And I compare what could happen now. Carter to Reagan will feel uh, a lot like Biden to Trump when our guy wins in November. But it was always, always Ronald Reagan. For you, if I put Trump aside, Steve Bannon, your favorite president of all time? Well, the favorite president of all time to me has got to be Lincoln, but uh, President Reagan's a, a close second. Um, you know, I, for years I was the official filmmaker out at the Reagan Ranch. I did a number of films on President Reagan. I was a naval officer actually coming off of uh, duty in the Pacific Fleet on my destroyer and showed up to, at the Pentagon to be a uh, aide to the Chief of Naval Operations on the day Reagan was inaugurated. And I can tell you that the sea change that hit Washington, D.C., hit our military uh, with just the enthusiasm, the focus, the energy, the urgency, because, you know, I'd been in the Pacific Fleet and my ASW submarine was, was the, our thing was to keep Soviet fast attack submarines away from carrier battle groups. Uh, President Reagan came in and he said something very simple. We win, they lose. No more rapprochement, no more detente. No more of the crap that we got from uh, from the Democrats and even some of the Reagan administration and Carter uh, in the years leading up to it. He took on stagflation with Volcker uh, and he took on the evil empire and brought down 
uh, the, the Bolsheviks and the Soviet Union. And so uh, that's why he's he's always in the pantheon of uh, of great presidents. But unlike even President Reagan, as great as he was, he never faced what President Trump's facing because President Trump is facing something quite different where you're actually taking on an administrative state and deep state that's as much a threat to the American people as our greatest enemies, the Chinese Communist Party. And what we saw here in New York, Steve, on Friday was just sad. No other way to put it. Really, I mean, it was pathetic, and you could use a whole bunch of adjectives, but just sad to to find uh, President Trump uh, when he made money for this city, when everybody involved in what Letitia James called illegal practice made money, there were no victims, between him and his sons, to find them upwards of $362 million. I really believe that was one of the more pathetic days in the history of our country. Very, very sad. I think it's one of the, in addition to being sad, I think it's dangerous. I think what we saw here, uh, Sid, was uh, the Moscow show trials in the 1930s. As bad as the Nazi judges were, and they were awful, what, what Stalin and the Bolsheviks did in the 1930s was what you saw happen. And, and remember, New York's just not the financial capital of the United States of America. New York City is the financial capital of the globe. It is, I think, the most important city in the world. And to see the rule of law turning now to the reign of outlaws, because that's what they are. They're, they are outlaws. What they did to President Trump is dangerous. It's dangerous to every business person in this country. They, they took a man's business. And by the way, what President Trump, as you know, said, being a resident there and understanding business, this is the normal course of business that happens every day in New York City. When you talk about lending against not just real estate assets, but lending to companies, the banks were upfront. They performed their own due diligence. They had their own experts. They did their own evaluations, their own valuations. They took from President Trump as, as you take. I was at Goldman Sachs for years. You take what the company gives you and you do your own analysis. There was no defaults. There was no late loans. They, every loan was paid off. The banks made exactly what the banks said they should make because they set the loan terms, not President Trump. This was theft. And every, I got to tell you, the, the exodus you're seeing from New York, New York State with people leaving from places like Florida and Texas and other places in the South, South Carolina, if you see the, the great uh, immigration that's happening now intrastate, you're going to see a flood of, I think, significant major businesses start to leave New York City because if Tish James and her group of outlaws can do that, the president, Donald J. Trump, a billionaire, a multi-billionaire, they can do it to anybody, and they will do it to anybody. That's going to come. This is like they run like the Bolsheviks ran Russia in the 1930s. It's their property, not yours. And I tell you, it's a sad day. It's a tragic day. But more importantly, it's a dangerous day. I think you nailed it. You really did. And, and by the way, to your point, Steve, a lot of millionaires have already left New York. Maybe not the billionaires yet or the multi-multi-multi-millionaires, but a bunch of very, very wealthy folks. And we need their money here for taxes. They're, uh, they're out of here. They're gone even before this. So, look, I know, for example, that the Governor Hochul, right, she can fire this douchebag DA Alvin Bragg, this racist Anytime she wants, you know, but she's she's full of crap. We know that. Um, Letitia James, who can fire her? What are the repercussions? I mean, if Trump goes on and wins the presidency in November, <laughs> how do we make sure that Letitia James is removed from office? Because, again, we've got on tape. It would be one thing if you and I said, ah, we really think it's politically motivated. We got on tape her saying, I'm going to get this guy. And then this happens. How do we get rid of her? 
Well, I think that was her campaign. I mean, she ran on getting Trump. I, I think what you have to do is President Trump looks at a criminal date set for the trial. That's going to be a global media circus like you've never seen before. It's by far, even on the far left, it's the one they want to bring least because it's the shakiest and they got the, the weakest uh, prosecutorial team vis-a-vis okay, -vis what else they have up their sleeves. Because remember, this lawfare, they've got Trump scheduled for 600 years in prison. Let me repeat that, 600 <laughs> years in prison. This is how much, no, but this is how much they hate your audience. Yeah. This is how much they hate the war room audience because President Trump, not, if you're in D.C., not in the room, not in the deal. And President Trump not just puts this audience in the room, he puts you at the head of the table. That's why they hate him. They hate him and they have to destroy him because they do not want a populist uprising in this country. What they're seeing, you're seeing it at the RNC, you're seeing it in Congress, you're seeing it across the board as President Trump rises in the polls and his movement. You saw it on Saturday, he went to SneakerCon. He's doing, and was, and was greeted, there were some boos, but there were two-thirds more applause. And he's doing cultural things now that connect with young people that connect with minority communities. Uh, MAGA is only rising and they're in panic mode and they will pull it. Like I said, we don't have the rule of law in New York City or in this country. You have the reign of outlaws and, Tisha, and Letitia James is an outlaw. So I think he's got to power through uh, this uh, criminal uh, this criminal trial in, in March, April and May. Uh, and then we got to drive to victory and we got to see what, how he deals with it post, uh, post a massive landslide win. The focus now is to get that win. Right, so I want to get to all that and what's going on in Israel and Ukraine and all that uh, after we take a quick break. But just to wrap up the whole thing with New York, it seems to me, Stephen, look, there's no question I'm in the bag. I'm in the bag for Trump. I love him. I'm biased. I'm all those things. I don't care. <laughs> but when I look at uh, all these cases, and I do talk to people like Joe Tacopina and Arthur Idala and Alan Dershowitz and all these big-time attorneys, it seems like a lot of it is unraveling. Now, I know he's going to trial, but he's got the appeal coming up with this ridiculous petition. James case, but the document case, I mean, we just saw what happened with uh, Joe Biden just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, then, of course, you've got the Georgia case, this Fannie Willis, this uh, the harlot, this repulsive lowlife out of Georgia. It just seems like almost every case they went after our friend with, there's something else going on that is unsavory for somebody else. I agree with you. I think the lawfare is collapsing even as we speak. It doesn't mean they're not going to come in full force. The media is going to pile on top. So we got to fight in front of us. But you're right. Well, first off, they're all nonsense in the first place, all BS. Every charge against him, the business charge, all this stuff, we're trying to take him off the, the battle with the 14th Amendment, uh, all of these you know, these so-called criminal charges, the BS in, in D.C. where they won't even have the guts because they can't prove. And they know he's not an insurrectionist. It's all nonsense. And it is collapsing around him. It doesn't mean, given that they've got Biden – they don't have a candidate. Their policies are terrible. Uh, the world's collapsing around them. Uh, that doesn't mean that they're not going to pull out every possible stop, uh, stop to, to basically make sure President Trump doesn't win. That's the, that's the fight we have in front of us. They're going to pull out every trick in the book. You just watch. You can't trust these. Look, the only way the Democrats can defeat Donald J. Trump is to steal the election like yep. they did in 2020. Agreed. So we got to be we got to steal ourselves because the next six months, eight months could be the toughest eight months in American political history. I want to get to that. That's a great line. And I think you're exactly right. We're going to find out exactly what Steve Bannon means when he says the toughest six to eight months in American history. Folks, that's a very, very big statement. And if Steve Bannon makes it. He means it, and if he means it, he's probably right. 
more with the great Steve Bannon right after this. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Seventy-seven WABC. Billy Joel as we start our number four today. Today we're going uh, five hours till 11 o'clock, in fact, all week long. So Steve Bannon, the great Steve Bannon on every Monday, check his show out, War Room. That is a phenomenal show. I was a guest a couple of weeks ago. Can't wait to go back on War Room. Steve Bannon says to me right before we broke about four minutes ago, these next six to eight months may be the most difficult in history. Steve, that's a, a great cliffhanger, as we say in radio, a great tease. Tell me specifically what you mean by that. Well, this nation's never had. We have 10 million, 10 million illegal alien invaders in the country and getting worse every day. Look at great New York City. Just go to Times Square. Look at what's happening in, in midtown Manhattan. That's throughout the country. So, number one, you have an invasion just under Biden's watch of 10 million illegal alien invaders, and they're coming in droves even as we speak, number one. Number two, you have a financial crisis of unparalleled uh, severity in American history. We have $34.5 trillion of debt right now, and we're adding $2 trillion a year in deficits. As far as I can see, that's not Steve Bannon saying it's the Congressional Budget Office in perpetuity right now. Number three, you have the beginning stages of the kinetic Third World War. From the South China Sea uh, to uh, to Gaza, to the Red Sea, to, to the eastern uh, Russian-speaking border of Ukraine, you have the kinetic part of the Third World War is already started. And you have a feckless, hapless, uh, part dementia uh, commander-in-chief who a, a federal document says is too uh, mentally uh, handicapped to stand trial uh, on classified documents but can be commander-in-chief. So if people don't think that, then you have an administrative state that is bound and determined, a deep state's bound and determined that President Trump's not going to return to the White House. 
So this next eight months, nine months, you show me any time in American history, or particularly modern American history, that has the types of dangers in front of us. This is fraught with danger, and every day is going to be a new challenge. You know, it's funny. You said uh, there's no way Trump loses in November, and I agree with you, unless they steal it again. And I think uh, you heard me tell this story that Friday I got a call from Andrew Giuliani on the golf course with the president. And Andrew said, hold on, someone wants to say hello to you. And President Trump hopped on the phone. And uh, he and I had a great five-minute conversation. He could not have been uh, better. He was in a great mood. He knew full well about an hour he was going to get the hammer from Judge Engeron here in New York. He didn't care. He's out there. He's having a great time. But he also mentioned the possibility of what you just talked about. What do you think they would do this time? Uh, We know what they did last time on a bunch of fronts. What do you think the Democrats would do this time to ensure he doesn't win the election? Well, let's look at New York State. Look, given the fact that it was not a great candidate, it was an anti-MAGA, anti-Trump candidate that the Nassau County executive decided to run for for Congress. The mail-in ballots and the uh, unverified signatures and the way they can ballot harvest in that district guaranteed a victory. In, in New York State, remember, they've passed state law on September. I think it's September 20th of this year. The, 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 the person that controls all elections in New York State, and I think even federal elections, is Tish James. That's because Albany passed a new state law. You know, Stefanik's staff has been fighting this. The courts are totally corrupt in New York. You've totally corrupted the election system. We're going to have a very tough time holding those congressional seats. Because the Democrats have perfected, perfected the model how to steal elections with mail-in ballots, these voter rolls that are uh, absolutely uh, tainted, and the ability to harvest ballots. Remember, in the United States, there's just two uh, deep verticals where Democrats get votes, university towns like Ann Arbor, Madison, Austin, Texas, right? And then these major urban areas. Those two, they've perfected mail-in ballots, uh, you know, changing your registration on the same day, and the ability to, to do uh, ballot harvest. Well, let me ask you this. Ballot, well, that's, that's, that's how they're going to steal it. Demo- but, but, Democrats cannot win national elections unless they steal. I agree, but, but let me ask you this, and I know that uh, the common answer is, well, we don't want to be like them. I don't want to hear that. I know they're scumbags, and we don't want to be like them. But in the end, we want to win. So why can't we ballot harvest, too? Well, I think this is why this week you're seeing a change at the RNC. I think this is why Ron McDaniel is gone. I think this is why Chris LaSavita is going there, and Lara Trump's going to be one of the people that uh, that run it. And Watley from North Carolina is an election integrity specialist. I think people finally realize that we got to wake up and we got to start. We got to start punching as hard as they punch. And because, well, first off, we have to have the legal people there to stop this. You got to get to these voter rolls. You got to clean them up. You got to get back to the signature verification. Things are around the country right now. In courts, but this is why you're having a total change at the RNC. The President Trump, it, all the burden can't be on his shoulders, as you know, Sid. Yeah, he's got he's got the <laughs> world much. on his shoulders. They're trying to put him in jail for 600 years. They're trying <laughs> to take his business and bankrupting. They're trying to take him off the ballot in 31 states. He's and he's also got solutions for Ukraine, for Israel, for the economy. I mean, he's thinking of policy. He's campaigning. He's going to sneaker con, then to Michigan to. The guy's on the move 24-7. He's got to, we need to step up here, and I think that's why they're cleaning the house at the RNC, because now you're going to have some real fighters in there. They're saying, hey, we're not going to allow Mark Elias and these folks to steal any more elections. I love his daughter-in-law, Lara. She's on with me every two weeks. In fact, she was just on Friday. And uh, to be the co-chair there with Watley, one in the show, I think is a great move. Final 60 seconds as you get ready for your great show, War Room, coming up today. 
South Carolina is uh, finally here on Saturday. I'm sick and tired of hearing Nikki Haley. I'm sick of watching her. All these networks, even Fox, they put her on TV like she's a great get. She's a loser. She's about to lose by 35 points, this idiot. Maybe then she'll be gone. I don't know. Maybe she'll stick around till Super Tuesday. Maybe she'll never go away, damn it. Tell me, will she go away after Saturday? Please tell me yes. She's not going. She's not going away. In fact, she's only going to raise more money. She's going to stick around the entire time because her entire. She said on the. She Fox did a town hall with her last night. A town hall. I know. Thirty points. A town hall. The the the, the anti-Trump donor class are going to use her as a vehicle number one to keep hammering Trump. She even said the other day she doesn't know if she's going to vote for him or not. She is the epitome of the. She's no different than a centrist Democrat. She's not MAGA. She's not. Trump, she's not even a Republican. She's going to stick around for a long time because she's got money. Oh, who's uh, on the war room today? Uh, we got Mike Benz talking about he had this great interview with Tucker. I know Mike well. Yep. We're talking about the administrative state and the deep state and how they're going to try to rig this election. Uh, we're going to get to the bottom of all of it today. Bannon, I love you. You're a great, great, great Monday guest and uh, a terrific friend. And, again, thank you very much. Happy President's Day. We'll all be watching the war room later. Do it again next week. Thank you, pal. Thank you, sir. Love the show. Love the audience. Thank you, sir. Oh, we love you, too. That's uh, the great Steve Bannon. That's my man right there. I love Bannon. War Room, folks. Check that out. A lot more to go. Don't forget, I'm on till 11 all week long. Some more Billy Joel. Because it will not last forever. These are the days to hold on to. Is Sid and friends in the morning from our friends. Seventy-seven WABC. Come to me. So Friday night, Danielle and I went to this really beautiful Shabbat dinner. We've done a bunch of those since October the 7th. Uh, Alex Trayman, who is the CEO of JNS.org. Those are the studios that we did our show live from those four days in Jerusalem. Alex is a wonderful guy. And uh, Danielle, myself, and my kids, Ava and Gabe, had a Shabbat dinner at his house. And that was great. We've done a couple of Shabbat dinners at the shul that we joined, West End Temple in the Ponset. But uh, Friday night, we made our way to Adina and Zev Brenner's house in Island Park. That's there by uh, Bernie's house, you know, uh, right by Jordan's Lobster. And I must say that Adina Brenner is a wonderful cook. She was great 
And it was packed. Their son was there, Rabbi Menachem Lieb Brenner, also Rabbi Ellie Krimsky and his wife, Yosheved, their children, Yadija and Kira, uh, Dory Lewak, who wrote that great story about me in the New York Post a couple of weeks ago, with all those great pictures from Israel, loved Dory. She was there, and her sister, Risa, she was terrific. Rabbi Steve Siegel, his wife, Eliza, and uh, also Menachem's friend, Izzy Silberstein. They were all there, and it was a great night, a great night. So a special thank you to Zev and Adina Brenner for a great Shabbat dinner on Friday. And it's been a busy weekend. You know, Saturday we woke up after that and had our beach bagels, had our Pino Rustico, went for a nice dinner Saturday night to Adrian's. You know, my good buddy Marty Feeney over there in, um, what do you call that area, uh, in between Howard Beach and Rockaway. I always forget the name of it. Uh, not Brighton. <laughs> I always forget the name. Uh, not Breezy. It's that other part. Either way, that is a great restaurant. Adrian's had the Sorrentino last night, me and Gabriel. And uh, here we are this morning, my wife and daughter in England. And don't forget, coming up later on tonight, I will be on Mark Levin. Oh, Bob, it's called Broad Channel. Broad Channel. Mark Levin. I'll be on Mark Levin show coming up at 8.20 tonight. But my next guest, it's been a great run today, folks. Curtis Sliwa, Rich Lowry, John Katzmatidis. Steve Bannon, still to come, Carrie Lake. But my next guest is the medical genius who's been on this show a million times. He's a dear friend, but you see him on Fox News all the time, including earlier this morning. It's my dear friend, Dr. Mark Siegel. Dr. Siegel, how are you, buddy? It's an honor to be on. By the way, regarding that Shabbat dinner, which sounds incredible, watch out for all those carbohydrates. And it's unbelievable that it occurred right near a lobster restaurant. <laughs> yeah. But- <laughs> but, but I'm sure they were not invited. No, I don't think so. No lobster, no shellfish at a Shabbat dinner. But, you know, it's funny. <laughs> you talk about all the uh, all the carbohydrates. And before we get into some of the, the COVID issues and strains and all that nonsense, you know, look, every time I talk to a doctor, uh, Dr. Mark Siegel, it's always the same thing. The biggest issue in this country is not COVID. It's not the flu. It's uh, fat people. Bottom line, people are too damn fat in the United States, and carbohydrates doesn't help that. Is that still the major issue in this country? Yeah, because it feeds all the other issues. I mean, have you watched a movie from the 1950s lately? You can't believe what people used to look like. It's like we've changed as a species. I mean, you, it, it, that is because it leads to high blood pressure. It increases your risk of cancer, increases your risk of heart disease and diabetes. And, you know, when there was COVID around, a a lot more of it than now, it increased your risk of a serious complication. So so obesity is the thing. And obesity comes from another thing we do. We don't walk. You know, I notice. have you noticed when you go to Europe, the first thing you do is start walking everywhere? Yeah. yeah. You're not going to take a subway. Well, some cities have them, of course, like London, but you walk everywhere. And if you if you got on your watch how many miles you walked a day you would see that it's not enough. So I, I, I'm a big advocate of exercise. It's not that you burn off the fat, Sid. It's that you reset your brain to not eat as much. I agree. I did a lot of walking in Israel, too. But I will tell you this. I lived in Boca Raton. I maintain the people down there are in much better shape and much better looking than most of the people here. There is no winter. You can't get fat for a couple of months and then lose it, and you don't walk anywhere in South Florida. I mean, that's right from your front door to your air-conditioned car to your air-conditioned office, and yet the people down there, 
seem to stay in good shape. Why is that? Well, I think it has something to do with the weather revitalizing them. They're not all as buff as you are, but you certainly fit in there without a shirt on. I'll have to say that. (laughs) But I think it's the weather and the attitude is better down there. I've been thinking more of Florida myself lately. We're holed up here. Our number one health problem may be rats soon. I mean, we may have to let let cats loose on the street, not Casamitidis, but cats. We may have to let them loose on the street to get rid of these rats the way they did in Paris after, you know, the plague. I mean, we're not as healthy here, and we have garbage still piled up everywhere. I think that that Florida did a lot of things right during the pandemic. They did. I think the governor doesn't get enough credit for that. He he preserved his nursing homes while we infamously slammed ours and slaughtered people in ours. He preserved his nursing homes. People, he preserved his businesses. They stayed open. That's why the great Sid Rosenberg is going down there. Yeah. The businesses are open. Uh, I'm actually going down there to see President Trump. But listen, you don't have to sell me on South Florida. <laughs> I lived there for 16 years. I lived in Boca Raton, and, and I miss New York. There's no question about it. I talked about New York every day. I hated the way my book ended when I was fired by WFAN in 2005. I desperately wanted to change the book, and the book has changed. You know, I went from being fired at FAN to being, I think, without sounding arrogant, the most important talk show radio host in New York and maybe around the country. So I can leave now. I've won. I did it. I can go back to Florida today. And believe me, I think about it because my my, my mother is down there. My brothers and sisters-in-law are down there. In fact, John and Margo are down there right now. They're in West Palm Beach. And it's the same thing over and over again. Better weather, less dirt, less filth, less homeless, no state tax. You don't got uh, billionaires being taken to court by Letitia James down there in Boca or Fort Lauderdale. It just seems every day that Florida is a much more attractive place to live. And I'm also checking out the health care down there. I've got really good friends at the University of Miami, which is improving a lot, and Cleveland Clinic down in Weston is a oh, great, great, great place. Yeah. Yes, they're, they're both great. great. Yeah, and, and by the way, Sean Hannity made the move and uh, moved down there both time, and he lived a beautiful life out of Long Island. But I want to get back to the rats for a second. Yeah, and I've met him down there for dinner. By the way, Sid, if you ever get a, a stuffed nose down there, you call me, and I'll... Uh, <laughs> and and you, you, you forgot that you were an amazing, you were an amazing uh, sportscaster and radio personality down there before you came up here and set the place well, on thank fire. You. I mean... Thank you. No, I appreciate that. Actually, uh, John uh, Katzmatidis was on at 8.15 this morning, and he said to me, he goes, I'm down here now. He goes, I can't believe how many people in Florida love you. He made that unprovoked comment on the show on the air about an hour ago. So I've maintained a pretty big audience that listens to me in New York every day from down there on the WABC app. But getting back to the rats, I used to live on 104th and West End. So, Dr. Siegel, I would walk about two blocks to Broadway and 103rd every morning to hop on the train and come to work. And outside all these apartment buildings, some of which, like mine, were very, very expensive, garbage bags were piled four feet high. There had to be 50 to 100 bags outside, and every morning a rat would run right past me. And I find it to be gross and disgusting. But from a helpness, a help standpoint, I should say, what is the uh, the biggest risk outside of a rat? I guess biting you. Well, and they have steel teeth, and and them. I can't believe they don't bite you. I see them running all over the place too, and I'm. I finally concluded that they have this uncanny evil intelligence. But that you're not on their on their meal list, meal list. Thank God. But they also in the urine they can carry a horrible disease called leptospirosis. The plague is on fleas on the back of rats. 
I mean, there's a lot of diseases. And, and of course, rats love sewage. And the sewage around the homeless encampments, the homeless uh, people and the garbage. That, we don't have as many homeless on the streets in New York because of our shelter system. I mean, if, it, can you imagine that it's even worse in L.A.? But here in New York, the garbage is a problem because it's just incredibly unsanitary, le- leading to all kinds of disease. Dr. Mark Siegel, so I saw you on Fox News out of the corner of my eye early this morning, and you were saying in terms of the next pandemic, we're not that far removed from the last one. You said it's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when. You really believe that, huh? Well, I think it's because of the labs. I think it's because of the global uh, gain-of-function research and the idea that the World Health Organization is, 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 is really full of it, Sid. Let me tell you why. They're busy saying we need an international treaty on pandemics. Well, first of all, you could have all the treaties in the world, and it doesn't mean that another country is going to cooperate. Second, they held hands with China at the beginning of this pandemic and told us it was a regional problem only and wasn't anything to worry about as it was spreading across Europe and into the United States. So why should we believe them that they're going to protect us going forward? that they're going to actually tell us in advance. They didn't tell us in advance this time. They just like to scare us. WHO likes to scare us. Oh, another one may be coming tomorrow. Better watch out. Well, yeah, we don't have the treatments, the vaccines, the testing for it. We missed this one. We didn't understand that it went airborne. We locked down all of our schools. We just talked about it, that Florida was the only place with any common sense and South Dakota and and two great Republican governors. But you know, the bigger problem is the WHO itself. Yeah. And they're nobody we should be listening to. And they don't have a network of cooperation. So even if we manage to restrict this gain of function research in the United States, and by gain of function, I mean, we're playing with viruses. We're manipulating viruses to the point where they could actually become the next pandemic. Even if we got some control over it here, we can't get any control over it in China or anywhere else. That's exactly what Dr. Anthony Fauci did. And uh, whether it's the WHO or the CDC, they're all no good. Can't trust any of them. They get nothing right. They really become embarrassments, if you ask me. I want to go to uh, dementia. We just heard a couple of weeks ago from a special counsel that the president of the United States has a bad memory, which he does. There's no question about it. He's also evil. He's also corrupt. He's also just a a lying, backstabbing scumbag. That's my opinion. He's the president and deserves more respect than that. I don't give it to him because I told my listening audience it wouldn't take a very long time for Biden to stab Israel in the back, and he stabbed Israel in the back even before I thought he would. That's how bad he is. But, but... He may be suffering from dementia. He certainly is, actually. What stage, I don't know. But I saw something yesterday that surprised me. Do you know, Dr. Mark Siegel, that two-thirds of people over the age of 85 actually don't suffer from dementia? I thought it would be the other way around. I thought two-thirds would. Tell me about the dementia problem here in the United States. Well, you encapsulated it well, and you were so you went so easy on the president there, so mild on that president, who, who by the way, he may be getting better soon when he completely forgets who he is. So he, he may forget that he's a, a lying scumbag, according to you, and, and, and become nicer. But but you know, but I I think for for me, yes. So so why does he why does he appear to have this? It's it's very interesting. The atrial fibrillation he has, which is an irregular heartbeat increases dramatically your risk of having cognitive problems 
as does the brain surgery that he had in 1988 when they repaired some aneurysms that he had. Those those issues uh, could could be related to that. That stiff gait that he has, which his doctor keeps saying, oh, that's due to a broken knee or something two years ago. Give me a break. That's likely due to another neurological issue that leads to that shuffling gait. So if he doesn't fall from that, it, 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 it correlates with what's going on upstairs. And I'm tired of hearing, by the way, the president's physician saying he doesn't need a cognitive test. He doesn't need a cognitive test when the rest of America thinks he does. And they're the voters. By the way, have you thought about this? He could secretly do a cognitive test without telling us. And if he passed it, then tell us. Well, maybe he doesn't think he would pass it, right? Mm, interesting. You're right, Dr. Mark Siegel. Man, it's great to catch up. Are you going uh, Saturday night to the Knicks and Celtics? No, I, no, I'm not. Unfortunately, I'm not, or you would. I'm going to take you to the playoffs this year. I think Jalen Brunson is the best trade maybe we've ever had. I mean, look, look I mean, he's not a Wall Frazier, but he is freaking amazing, and he was looking great in, in Indianapolis, right? So I, I, think, I think he's the key to this team. No, no, he is the best free agent acquisition we ever made. I agree with you, yes. but but they got to get healthy. I mean, Randall's hurt. They made the trade right. with Toronto and uh, Obi Wan Kenobi. He's hurt, and but he's uh, good. But he's good. No, he's, he's good. Listen, listen, when they get healthy and you got Randall back and Obi back, and I like the trade that brought in Burks and Bogdo, you get all those guys yes. out there with Brunson. This is a very, very good basketball team. Good enough to beat Boston. I don't know. I think they're better than Philly. I think they're right there with Milwaukee. Good enough to beat Boston, I don't know, but a healthy Nick team with the way the roster is constituted right now, to your point, Dr. Siegel, could be very, I very hope, scary. Yeah. I hope we see them in the playoffs with Boston, you know, after the like the like the third round. And I can't the one thing I'm cringing at is that Przingis actually recovered from all of his travails here and is doing well in Boston. I'm not wishing him well. Right. well. <laughs> yeah. Now, they got some team with him and Jalen Brown and Tatum and Holiday and White. I mean, they are loaded. Anyway, Dr. Mark Siegel, I love you. Uh, it's great having you back on. We'll do it more often. Thank you so much. Great to be here. Thank you, sir. Thank you. The great, great Dr. Mark Siegel the right game. there. My man, the great Dr. Mark Siegel. Check him out on Fox News. Still lots more to do. Big-time attorney Alan Dershowitz. And the lovely Carrie Lake out of the great state of Arizona as we go till 11 today. More of me, Sid, right after this. I just out of Alan Dershowitz and Carrie Lake. Let's get to our sports wrap for the weekend with our good buddy, Dr. T. Arthur Turovitz. NJ Diet, folks, lose a contractually guaranteed 20 to 40-plus pounds in just 40 days. NJDiet.com, 855-5NJ-Diet. Artie's a big Sixer fan. I'm a big Nick fan. I will tell you, Artie, that I did watch the pregame for the All-Star game last night. I know you're not going to like this. I don't care. I don't know why everybody loves Ernie Johnson and Shaq, who mumbles for about an hour, and Barkley, who goes off on silly tangents, and Kenny Smith, who looks pissed to be there. I never understood, though, the popularity of that. And then they went to some other show with Draymond Green, which was okay. Then I watched Jamal Crawford interview Jason Tatum. That was okay. And then I went on and I put on Mark Levin because I had had enough before the game even started. How about you? I, 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 I'm telling you, this is going to sound like uh, in, like one of those old guy in my day speeches, but 
You know, I remember when I used to devour every second. I couldn't wait to the all next to the next to the weekend at Augusta, which is my favorite weekend of the year. Uh, the All Star Weekend used to be my favorite thing to do was watch the All the All Star Weekend, and the dunk contest, and the three point, and even the game. And and up until about ten years ago, now I can't even I can't even stomach it. It's terrible from start to finish. It's contrived. The story, invented storylines, invented nonsense. The dunk contest is a joke. The game, I could see in football where guys can get hurt, right? So, all right, fine. You don't play a football game where you don't really, you know, guys can get hurt. NFL, NFL, especially those guys at their sizes, hitting and tackling each other. But a basketball game, nobody's ever gotten hurt playing in these all-star games. Nobody's ever suffered a serious injury. Play the game, at least make an effort. What was it? 200, what is it? 400, over 400 points last night? Oh, uh, just under, yeah, just under. And I know they, they, they were talking to Larry Bird right before the game, and Bird said. 211 to 186. It's ridiculous. Right. It's insane. Just play some defense. Just pretend like well, you want to play some defense. That, that's what Bird said. Bird said before the game, I hope they play some defense, and you got none of it. But what about the, uh, the basketball for a second? Uh, you're also a Philadelphia Flyer fan. I'm a Ranger fan. My Rangers came back from a 5-3 deficit, beat the Islanders yesterday. Bigger crowd. Than the Saturday game, of course, but Saturday was uh, your yeah. Flyers and the Devils. New Jersey doubled the Flyers. They beat them 6-3. to three. The Flyers playing pretty good hockey, but overall, yeah. those two games were great, right? The, the two games were great. The NHL is really a, really a great product to watch. I, I'm really enjoying that, and, uh, and I love it when the, you know, if the Flyers are competitive, which they really haven't been, so I, I, I haven't been in that into the NHL, but this year... You know, Flyers are playing well. What I loved the best about that game was, did you see how the Flyers got off the bus? What they were wearing? Yes. They were all in rock. They were yes. wearing the Rocky sweats, and 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 that was that was really cool. And last night, uh, last night or Saturday night, they retired Yager's uh, uh, jersey uh, or whatever in Pittsburgh, and he every all the guys on the team came out in mullets. Yeah, that was cool. Uh, and he and he went skating with them. I thought yeah. that was really that cool. That was cool, well. of course. Is uh, the great number sixty eight who also had great yeah. games here in New York, uh, great years in New York with the Rangers. Fantastic he did win two years. cups in Pittsburgh, though. Hey, uh, Audie, great job as always, buddy. Thank you so much. We'll talk again next nice week. All right, take care. Week. There take he is, Mister NJ Diet, Arthur Turovitz. He knows his stuff. He knows his sports. Lose a contractually guaranteed twenty to forty plus pounds in just forty days. Call. 855-5NJ-DIET or go to NJDiet.com. Still to come, Alan Dershowitz. And now bonus hour coming up from 10 to 11. We'll talk to Carrie Lake. Keep it right here. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Get your hair back. Get to leave. Eleven gallows on your sleeve. Shallow figured winners paid. Eleven shadows way out of Show.
doing a big Monday show already. Curtis Sliwa, Rich Lowry, John Katsimatidis, Dr. Mark Siegel, Steve Bannon, still to come, Carrie Lake next hour. And my next guest is one of my favorite people, hands down. He made such a nice video for me. He couldn't make it to the Fifth Avenue Synagogue a couple Saturdays ago. He was one of uh, two people, along with my friend Mark Levin. I'll be on Mark Levin's show later on tonight at 8.20 to make these wonderful videos. And, of course, uh, he's on this show quite a bit. He's the best constitutional attorney in the history of the business. And, again, just a terrific man and a great Jewish man, my friend Alan Dershowitz. Alan, good morning. How are you? Great. I was on Mark Levin's show this weekend, Saturday and Sunday, and he's turned my book, uh, War Against the Jews, into an Amazon bestseller. He has this enormous ability. Well, he, he talks about a book on the show. Uh, he's he big. I showed my book, War Against the, the Jews. No, he's big. When he when Mark Levin, you know, you're talking about really the one of the preeminent voices in the country. And I'll tell you a quick story, Alan, you'll appreciate this, is uh, he and I were in a fight because he was upset when John Katsimatidis decided to give one hour of his show, Mark Levin's show on this station, to the former governor, Andrew Cuomo. Levin was furious. And uh, John was on my show one morning promoting Cuomo that night. And Levin and I have known each other for years, never really type, we've been friendly. And Levin was furious that I didn't get angry with John. And I said to John, to uh, Levin, I said, he's my owner. He does what he wants. You know, I, I'm not going to fight with John about who he puts on the station that he owns. So long story short, we didn't talk for the better part of about six months. In fact, he was nasty to me and I was nasty to him, unlike both of us. And then after October 7th, the day after, Sunday, October the 8th, I reached out to his producer, which, Mr. Producer, and I said, you know, I'm sitting here watching all this coverage, I'm heartbroken, and I feel like all the big Jewish voices, whether it's Sid Rosenberg, Mark Levin, Ben Shapiro, I don't care. I feel like right now is a time we should not be fighting. Absolutely, absolutely. And so absolutely. I, 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 said, I said, do you think Levin would talk to me today? And he gave me Levin's cell phone number, and that afternoon, it was during the Jet Giant game, on October 8th, 3 o'clock that afternoon, we spoke, and I swear to you, Alan, we text each other almost every day. Well, you're both fantastic people. I wish others in the Jewish community would do the same thing. Temple Emmanuel in New York, the largest temple, still will not allow me to speak in defense of Israel. They have Peter Beinhart, who thinks that Israel should be destroyed as a state. This is Temple Emmanuel. <laughs> but it won't allow me to speak. The 92nd Street Y will not allow me to speak. Um, they canceled me completely. Uh, and other places in New York, uh, the Jewish Jewish synagogues, a synagogue in Miami Beach, uh, in Miami, uh, Beth Am had this, asked me to speak about Israel, and then two or three people on the board said, no, he's too controversial, and they canceled me. So, you know, Jewish voices. I mean, you know, you, even a thing like October 7th, doesn't bring Jews together when it comes to issues like this. No, you're right. I mean, there's still guys like Bernie Sanders and your friend Ron Kuby out there that uh, still sympathize with the Palestinians. But, but you know, I, I do want to ask you, I don't want to make this too political, but I did say very early on, very early on, I'm going to pat myself on the back, I knew that Joe Biden was going to stab Israel in the back. I knew it because he worked in the Obama administration, and Obama couldn't stand Israel, never liked Bibi, couldn't care less, gave the Palestinians and Hamas tons of money, and Biden is a product of that. 
And and sure enough, Joe Biden, one day, I love Israel, here's some weapons. The very next day, hey, Bibi, shut up, you're an a-hole, and stop bombing little kids in uh, in Rafa. He has turned out you know, to be well, a big problem. He has, and it's a work in progress. And I'm still working on the administration, him, and uh, I've known him 40 years. I've known Tony Lincoln. Uh, it's it's a work in progress, and I'm not going to give up on them. I'm not going to allow Israel to become a one-party partisan issue the way it is, for example, in Spain. If the conservatives win in Spain, the government's pro-Israel. If the socialists win in Spain, they're completely anti-Israel. I want to keep Israel a bipartisan issue, and that's why I remain nominally a Democrat. I vote for Republicans a lot, and I have to tell you, any Republican who wants to run against any member of the squad or Sanders or Warren or anybody who's anti-Israel, I will support them financially. I'll go and campaign for them. For me, support for Israel is more important than support for the Democratic Party. I get all that, and I appreciate all that. And um, I'm familiar with your home dynamic. I love you guys like you're my own family. So you got to be up to tread uh, a little carefully. But you're going to tell me, you're going to tell me, Alan, as one of us, and we've had this conversation a million times. Forget about Israel for a second. You know inflation is way too high still. You know we're getting strangled by interest rates. People can't take a loan out anymore. They can't buy a house. Chicken is too expensive. Eggs are too expensive. Crime on the streets is at an all-time high. There's a racial divide in this country that we've never seen before. So why in the world would you even consider, forget about the Democrat nonsense, why would you even consider voting for Joe Biden over a guy like Donald Trump? Because I don't like the Republican approach to gay rights, to women's rights, to abortion well, rights. But, but, but Trump's not anti. But, but he's not anti-gay, and he's, he's for the exceptions. The no, he's not at all. Right. But the Republican Party is. The Republican Party platform is uh, anti-abortion and uh, anti-climate control, anti-reasonable gun control. Look, I agree with you. What's going on in the black community today, and I have to be very clear about this, black pastors have come out calling for end to all aid to Israel. That is blatant anti-Semitism. Even Skip Gates, kind of the leading black intellectual in the world, has said there's a long history of anti-Semitism within black churches, particularly in the South, and it's manifesting itself now. Why are African Americans so concerned about the Palestinians? They couldn't give a damn, most of them, about what's going on, even in parts of Africa where there is genocide in other places in the world, in, in, in you know, parts of Europe and Ukraine and in, in the Uyghurs, why are they focusing only against Israel? It's anti-Semitism, and there is core anti-Semitism within the black church, and we have to confront that directly. We, we can't use affirmative action to say, oh, you're black, therefore you're immune from criticism. Yeah, no, yeah. if you're a black anti-Semite, you're an anti-Semite, and we're going to call you on it. Uh, by the way, forget about the churches for a second. And we're actually celebrating Black History Month at my station today. We're about to have a nice round table, some very fine people. But uh, beyond the churches, every time an Orthodox Jew gets beat up in Brooklyn, there's a lot of those stories. It's almost always a black person. Almost every, in fact, it is always a black person. Let's be honest. So uh, it goes above and beyond the black churches. One more, then we'll take a quick break. I want to get your thoughts on the uh, ruling that came down with uh, Trump on sure. Friday. I think BB's doing a great job. You know, again, you got Biden and America all over him. Uh, you got all the Arab countries all over him. You got Europe all over him. Mark Levin said something very smart last night. Israel's fighting a war on two fronts. He didn't mean the North and the South. 
What he meant was in Israel and diplomatically, because at this point there is nobody, including the U.S., there is nobody who is sticking up for Israel and saying Bibi is doing a fine job. Nobody, Alan, except for me. What are your thoughts? Well, I, I want to join you on that. Uh, I was with the president, the former president of Israel, and the ambassador from Israel last night. There was a big federation uh, dinner at uh, in Miami. Uh, where I was honored a few years ago. And so I went there and spoke to them. And, you know, you're right. Israel is diplomatically isolated. I don't envy Bibi. He has an impossible job to do, trying to rescue the hostages, trying to destroy Hamas, trying to maintain his coalition. I don't love his coalition. I don't like some of the extreme right-wingers in his coalition. But, you know, I've known Bibi since 1970. We go back a long time. I have dinner with him every time I go to Israel. He has dinner with me in the United States. We had dinner just eight days before this horrible event on October 7th. So I am rooting hard for him to be able to accomplish the legitimate goals of Israel while minimizing uh, civilian deaths. But all the civilian deaths, every single one of them, every single one of them is the result of Hamas. You know, I've coined a new term. My, my son actually invented it. You met him. My son is lying. He now refers Good to kid. these as... Yep. Hamastables. Yeah. Hamastables. <laughs> I like that. Hamastables. That's yeah. what they are. Yeah. They're not hospitals. They arrested yep. 100 terrorists yep. in the most recent Hamastable. Yep. So let's not treat them as if they're Columbia Presbyterian <laughs> yeah. or Mount Sinai. They're not. They're, they're Hamas yeah. uh, headquarters that have a few patients that are covers and shields for the Hamastable uh, staff. Your son is exactly right. Yeah, we just saw that yesterday with Nasser Hospital right there, the biggest one actually in uh, in Gaza. We just saw that yeah. yesterday. So that is uh, that's a great job by your son. And look, you know, I saw David Friedman on with uh, Mark Levin last night, and he said, you know, before you start to feel really badly for the Palestinians, and I'm a, a good-hearted guy like you. Uh, uh, you know, I, I don't want to see anybody innocent die. But before we start talking about the innocent Palestinians that are dying every day, and they're lying about the numbers, but whatever they are, he said, just keep in mind, 80% of those Palestinians, without a gun being put to their head, 80% of those Palestinians vote in Hamas, celebrate Hamas, and are okay with Hamas. So don't believe all your don't believe all your channels in the United States that tell you, oh, they, they hate Hamas. That's a lie, Alan. It's not true. It is a lie. It is a lie. Eighty percent in the West Bank, 70 percent in the Gaza Strip. They not only support Hamas, they help them. They allow them to build tunnels underneath their homes. You know, there's now a new development. We now have discovered Hamas is building mosques on top of existing tunnels, on top of existing tunnels. So they're now and hospitals and medical centers and schools uh, in order to increase the number of civilian deaths so that they can go on CNN and say, oh, my God, look at how many women and children. There are not that many actual innocent children and women that are being killed. The vast majority of people who are not called terrorists are supporters of Hamas. Right. They are people who have allowed their houses to be used. They are human shields. They are people who have been killed by Hamas rockets that misfired. So the number of actual innocent civilians is a fraction Correct. of the 28,000, 29,000 that we read about. Even Hamas doesn't distinguish between terrorists and civilians. And they count as a civilian, as a child, anyone who's 19 years old or younger. 19. These are terrorists. 19, 18, 17. They start recruiting these kids at 13. So don't tell me that they're children. 
A child with a rocket is a target, a legitimate military target. I don't care how old he is. If he has a gun, shoot him. Well said. That's perfect. Let's take a quick break. Come back with Alan Dershowitz. Trump got hammered here on Friday. Alan's been doing this for over 60 years, this law stuff. Maybe you've seen this before. I doubt it. We'll find out from Alan Dershowitz coming back. Drink another. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. Oh, no, I get by with a little help from my friends. Let's kick off the by lighting up. Oi! From my friends, the star of the show. Oi! Oi! I spoke to a radio broadcaster famous here in New York, WABC, Sid Rosenberg. Oi! This Oi! is Sid and Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help. My friends. 77 WABC. Brian Kilmeade's on vacation all week, so they convinced me, management here, my dear friends, John, Margo, Chad, to work an extra hour every day. So instead of getting me from 6 to 10, you get the highest rated talk show in New York from 6 to 11 every day this week. So let's continue our conversation with the great Alan Dershowitz. Alan, the judge, as Sangaran comes down on Friday and he finds uh, Trump $354 million. By the way, it was $16 million less than what James wanted. But when you combine his two sons, $362 million in damages, when in fact there was no victim. I'm not an attorney. Explain that to me. You can't explain it. It's impossible. There's no way of multiplying something and creating that much damage. Zero times whatever it is is still zero. There were no damages. Nobody was hurt. There was no victim. He created, the judge created this notion that he can come up with any numbers he wants. Mar-a-Lago's worth $18 million. I'll buy it tomorrow. The two of us will be partners. We'll flip it for a billion dollars. We'll both be able to retire. So he understates the Mar-a-Lago, and then he overvalues the the fine. Uh, the courts, I think, will reverse the fine on appeal. Uh, but this was not a fair proceeding from the beginning. Um, you know, it's supposed to be a court of equity, not a court of law. That's why there's no jury. But there's no equity here. Equity requires proportionality between the harm done and the fine. There has to be some relationship. How do you get to that fine? I've been doing this 60 years, as you said. I have never seen a case or read a case where without any damages, there's hundreds of millions of dollars worth of fines. I've just never seen it. It's new law made up only for Donald Trump, and it's going to send a message to a lot of people. You want to run for politics? You're a rich man, a real estate guy. Stay out of it. Don't run. Don't get into politics because they'll find something on you. You can find something on anybody who's in the real estate business if you look hard enough. Second, it's going to drive real estate people out of New York. After years and years and years of working to produce a great real estate empire, this judge can take it all away, essentially. That's not what justice is about. So I'm hoping there'll be better sense as you get to higher courts and that the New York Court of Appeals eventually will throw this thing out 
or at least reduce the fine to some some relevant percentage of what anybody believes he may have made profit or 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 illegal profit or illegal damage against anybody else. It's it's an injustice of the worst kind. And it's a part of get you know, I wrote another book called Get Trump in which I got the title of the book. I, I'm not smart enough to make up the title of the book. <laughs> I got the title Bet, Bet, Get Trump from Letitia James's campaign. That was her campaign, Get Trump, Get Trump, Get Trump. And now she thinks she got Trump. But we'll see what happens on appeal. Well, I think you're right. I think they'll appeal it, and they'll at the very least reduce the fine, if not throw it out. Uh, I guess the same would be for the other uh, penalty here, which is he can't practice for about three years. That would be thrown yeah. out too, you think? I think so, but then he got he has the New York um, criminal case written by uh, uh, you know brought by Bragg again the weakest case I've ever seen as a criminal lawyer. They would have gotten Alexander Hamilton under that theory. I mean, my God, he had a, he paid hush money to a woman with whom he had an affair, and he didn't put anything on his forms. Has anybody heard of a situation where you pay hush money in order to make sure nobody finds out about something? And then you're required to list it on your corporate forms. Why would anybody make a settlement if you then had to list it? It's the silliest thing I've ever heard. They couldn't find a violation of federal law. They couldn't find a violation of New York law. So they combined federal law and New York law and came up with one plus one equal 300 million. (laughs) You know, all these cases, and we'll let you run right after this, uh, obviously the brag thing, like you said, the weakest thing you've ever seen, this ridiculous case. uh, You keep mentioning the judge, but it's really Letitia James. Fanny Willis, she's turned out to be some really just a repulsive harlot in the uh, the state of Georgia, what she did. Then you got this documents case where, well, at least he was president. He could have declassified these documents. You can can call Biden crazy, dementia, whatever. You want. He did the same exact thing, but my guy got indicted. Yeah. It just seems like all these cases almost every day prove to be less and less real. That's true. And let me talk about Fonnie Willis for a second. I want to state categorically I do not believe she's telling the truth. I do not believe that she got paid back in cash for, uh, or she paid him, her boyfriend, back in cash for what he paid for on credit cards and checks. It's really strange when you have one set of the payments, the payments made by him for her, is all documented, all documented. But her claim that she paid um, that that he that she paid him back with dollar bills and twenty dollar bills <laughs> that she keeps in her house because that's a black thing. That's a black thing to keep things keep money in your house. Yeah. No, it's not. And 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 I just don't believe her. If I were the judge, I would not find her credible. I do not think the judge will. I don't think a judge has the cojones to find the elected district attorney of Fulton County to be a liar. But if I were the judge, that's what I would find. I don't think she's telling the truth. I don't think she's telling the truth about when her relationship with him started. And I think she ought to be recused and disqualified, and so should he. And ultimately, the case should be thrown out. It's the same case exists in the District of Columbia. It's almost identical case. So why do you need two cases, one in the state court and one in the federal court, especially when you have all these problems in the state case? So I'm hoping that state case uh, will be dismissed completely. So in the final 30 seconds, if you love Trump, you love him. If you hate him, you hate him. But if you're somewhere out there, you're not exactly sure. There's not many of those. I get it, Alan. But if you're not exactly sure, have they done the impossible? Have they made my friend Donald Trump a sympathetic figure? 
Well, they have to some people. People who care about the law, they make him a sympathetic figure. But, you know, your friend Donald, they wish he wouldn't say things like, oh, gee, if they don't pay their money to NATO, uh, let Russia do whatever they want. That doesn't help him when he says things like that. I wish he would just stick to uh, running for president, which is what he's doing, and he's doing it very successfully. And uh, if you're his friend, a little bit more control over what he says, I think, would help him and it would go a long way to it, helping people in the middle be able to pull the lever for him. No, I, don't, I, I don't disagree. Bill O'Reilly says the same thing, and so do many, many others. I don't necessarily disagree. I'll see him in back in two weeks. I'll pass it along. But on a serious note, I love you, and thank you for the beautiful message, which we did play oh, at the synagogue. And thank you for everything, Alan. Seriously, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for doing what you do. God Be bless well. you. You're the absolute best. I love that man, Alan Dershowitz. That is a great man right there, great attorney, great Jewish leader, just uh, a real, my, my grandmother would say, real gift in a shimmer, which means uh, heart, a lot of heart in uh, Yiddish. We'll take a short break. We'll get to the top of the hour news. Then my friend Carrie Lake from the great state of Arizona, she's coming up. It's getting harder. It's keeping life and soul together. I'm sick of fighting, even though I know I should. WABC. This is Sitting Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. All over the world. I could be chasing, but my time would be wasted. They got nothing on you, baby. Yeah. Nothing on you. Nothing on you, babe. Nothing on you. I know you feel where I'm coming from. One of those beautiful girls all over the world. She's out in uh, the great state of Arizona running for United States Senate. And ever since she graced us here in our own studios in New York, and well, she was great that day with Gore and uh, signed my book, My Favorite Hitman. That was it. So now I'm the biggest Carrie Lake fan. Me and Trump both love Carrie Lake. And again, she's in the middle of a big election out there in Arizona, but she stands for everything right. And she is uh, a big Trumper, so we love her. Carrie Lake, live in Arizona. Good morning. How are you? Good morning, Sid. They gave you an extra hour. They must love you in New York as much as I do. Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you. That means a lot to me. Thank you. And I gave you a theme song. Now, you don't get that from Eric Bowling. You don't get that from... (laughs) (laughs) You know what's funny about me? I I get jealous when my guests go on other shows. And if they like it, they get really pissed off. I'm like, I'm so immature. Why am I like that, Carrie? Why? Well, you know, we've had some great moments, and you're like, I don't want to see anybody else have great moments. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that oh. terrible, though? That's a, that's a horrible thing, no? 
Except with Trump. No, but except with Trump. Like when you went to Bedminster this summer and you hung out with Trump, I was okay with that. If Trump goes out there and and uh, you know stumps for you, I'm I'm, I'm okay with that. And uh, with all that said, how is the campaign well, going? Just remember this, Sid. You know that I always have more fun on your show. <laughs> Thank no you very much. Thank but I know she has more fun when she comes out with me. Um, the campaign's going well. We had a really busy week, and I know it because I crashed into bed last night, and I don't even remember my head hitting the pillow. Wow. It was one of the, like, dead asleep nights. But we're ready. You know, it's Monday. We're ready to hit the trail again. We're going to CPAC this week which is in Washington, D.C., and um, speaking at that great conservative event. I'm speaking directly after President Trump, so I'm looking forward to work on a really good speech. So that's kind of on the back of my mind right now. That's awesome. Uh, Speaking right after Trump, yeah, that's a great deal. What do you think my speech should say? Well, I think you should talk about how great this radio show is. You know what? Let's get together and work on something. I think we can come up with a great all about that. Right. Now, and friends. You, know, you don't need me to help. You you're a, you're, you happen to be a wonderful order. You really are. Your speeches are always great. And, and look, the truth is, is while you're running for a very, very important spot, and we desperately want you and more importantly need you to win, really the future for all of us, all of us, is on the line Come November, it's really this simple. If Trump doesn't win, we're dead. Dead. That's it. That's it. He needs to win. There is yeah. no other way, Carrie. No other way. I agree. And that's why I'm doing literally everything I can to make sure that he wins, to wake people up. You know, so the, the bottom line is if you don't like President Trump, You've been the victim of a eight-year brainwashing campaign, unlike anything we've ever seen. I mean, eight years of nonstop negative press, lies, investigations that were witch hunts. And, you know, some many people have snapped out of it and realized it, but there's still a few people who just get so caught up in the media and they believe what they're being told. So we have to gently work on these people in the next 10 months. I think that he has a groundswell of support. Everywhere I go, people are, you know, they they give me a high five. They cheer me on. They say, we love you. We love Trump. We cannot wait to vote. And, you know, we we have to pray that our our voting systems are Mm. a little more honest. I don't think they're there yet. But, you know, these people that are against Trump, you're seeing what they're doing to him. They're doing the same stuff to me, trying to sue me into oblivion, trying to render me poor and homeless. Uh, you know, take away my First Amendment rights, censor me. And they did the same thing to Rudy Giuliani. These are all the Soros, Obama, you know, creatures who come out because they know when Trump gets back in, if they don't get their people in, it's game over. These people have committed some really bad crimes, really bad crimes. And they know that they're going to be caught red handed. You know, you and Trump, of course, uh, well said, were both victims of rigged elections. So uh, Andrew Giuliani, talking about Rudy, Andrew was playing golf with Trump last Friday, just three days ago. And uh, Andrew uh, called me from the golf course and he said, hold on, someone wants to say hello, and it was Trump. So uh, Trump and I talked for about five minutes. It was great. And he did mention the election. And he did mention that, you know, Sid, you know, Sid, you know, Sid, they're going to try to steal it. And uh, you made mention of that just now. And I've got friends who love Trump but are so deathly afraid they're going to steal it 
that they're almost paralyzed to go vote. Now, of course, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. You still got to go vote. But but that is the mindset of some people that what happened in 2020 is 1000 percent going to happen again. Well, but we, we have we are making some changes and there's a reason they're trying to stop Trump in four different jurisdictions with these bogus cases that everyone is waking up to and realizing how unjust the justice system is and how weaponized our government is. And, uh, you know, if they, if they really felt they could steal it, then they wouldn't be doing all of that. This time, if they tried to steal it, they'd have to try to convince us that Joe Biden, the dementia patient sitting in the White House, got 110 million votes. I mean, no one's going to buy that. No. Know that. And so they're, they're desperate. And, and I think those people who go, well, I just kind of give up. Really? You're going to give up on your country? No one's asking you to go out and, you know, take a bullet, go to war. They're asking you to go out and vote. Right. Shouldn't be a big least, deal. Yeah. This is the last election, and if we don't – it's the last election if we don't go out and vote. Agreed. Because of our country. So we need everyone to buck up and buckle up <laughs> and get out and vote. There's no quitting right now. We don't want our grandkids to look at us one day living in a communist country and say, why did you let America go? And your response being, well, I – I gave up. I, I quit. I got tired. They called me names. Uh, I didn't want to go out and vote because I was mad. This is Carrie Lake running for U.S. Senate in the uh, great state of Arizona. You know Carrie, of course. So what do you think about the uh, the real probability, Carrie, of the new RNC with Watley and Donald's daughter-in-law, who was on this show Friday, Lara Trump, in charge? Well, I know Lara Trump, and she's one of the greatest, most um, positive, strongest work workhorses i know in the republican party when i heard her name floated i thought why hadn't i thought of that before she's incredible so i don't know michael watley but i know if we have lara trump in there things are going to get done and there's no one who i trust more to continue to push the america first agenda in the rnc than lara she obviously loves and respects president trump immensely so we don't have to worry about backstabbing and I think we're, we're, we're going to see a strong RNC emerge, and we need that. So I'm excited. We have a strong AZ GOP now. We have a new um, chairwoman in the AZ GOP. She's already behind several lawsuits to prevent voter fraud, or not voter fraud, election fraud right, here. Right, Because the voters aren't committing the fraud. Sadly, it's the uh, people behind the <laughs> election who are. Yeah. And true. so I, I'm feeling really good about it. I, and we're going to have, it sounds like Chris LaCivita in there. That guy's amazing. He's uh, part of the Trump organization, and he's incredibly smart. He knows how to win elections. You know, the biggest issue, whether it's your race in Arizona, Carrie, or President Trump's race, is the border. I mean, there's, there's a million issues, there's a million. Israel, Ukraine, domestic issues, economy issues, there's a million. But the border is the biggest one, and, and your state in Arizona, you're experiencing that maybe more than anybody else running for any office in any state in this country. So you know all about uh, how bad it is. And Mayorkas, of course, uh, impeaching him a couple of weeks ago and the House's efforts, which, of course, to me doesn't make a whole bunch of sense because Mayorkas is just taking his policy from Joe Biden. And if you impeach Mayorkas but Biden sticks around, then the real evil presence uh, gets to stick around when he shouldn't. But either way, if somebody pays the price, I'll be happy. But when you look at uh, your race specifically for the Senate in Arizona, 
You know, here in New York City, you said to me last time you were here, you're like, Sid, I got to tell you, I felt less safe. It doesn't look the same. And you're right. How bad is it in your state? Well, yeah, New York is feeling it as well. You know, that's where a lot of people are landing. Um, it's it's extra bad right now because Texas is starting to get a little more serious and prevent people from coming across. And so they're coming through Arizona. We have more people coming across Arizona than any state right now. And the setup is here, the human smuggling setup, the NGOs, nonprofits. What a joke. They're not really nonprofits. They're taking money from the government not to stop people and send them back, but to process them and get them set up and get them housing and clothing and medical treatment if they need it, food, gift cards. It's it's outrageous what they are doing, where our tax dollars are going to help people who are invading our country while Americans are struggling, being thrown to the curb because they're getting kicked out of some of the uh, housing that then illegals are being put into. It's the most uh, egregious act that our government has ever done against the people of this country. I'm, I'm horrified by it. And it doesn't have to be this way, but they want it this way. Yeah. They're setting a network of criminals to traffic human beings, children, and drugs into our country. True. And Bayarcus is impeached. I don't think he'll ultimately be impeached, but a lot of evidence will come out showing that they've been working against America and our best interests. But, you know, real quickly, that ridiculous uh, border bill that Kirsten Cinema, who could be one of my um, opponents in this race, helped craft and write, never had any money for building the wall and stopping people from coming over. Right. It had, it had billions of dollars for having people come over, turning them into citizens, processing them, giving them everything they need. It had $95 billion to go overseas to kill people. <laughs> you know what you could do for $95 billion? You could buy 237,500 people a $400,000 house, which is the average price of a house in Arizona. Wow. Wow. Well, that goes and, Yeah. And we, and we knew that that was the intent of the entire bill when, when it went down in flames and they said, oh, well, okay, let's still work on the Ukraine funding part then. They never really had the intent to secure the border. And I think that the people of this country are not keen on doing anything else right now until Congress secures our border. So I tell Congress, good luck on getting anything else passed until you get serious about our security our national security in our country. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, look, I, uh, I'm i Jewish, and I just went to Israel for the first time two weeks ago, and it completely changed my life. So I am for a standalone Israel bill. To me, it's almost as important as America. I'm sick of giving Ukraine money. I know Russia took over a big city yesterday. I don't care. <laughs> $60 billion more to Ukraine, enough's enough. So I want to get the border done here in America first, then Israel. That's it. You know what? I do agree. And I hate that they looped all of that together. But, you know, the people when the people saw that they were willing to drop the whole bill and just push the Ukraine funding, it's just a slap in the face of the people of Arizona. I want to help Israel because Israel should and must protect their citizens like we should and must protect our citizens. And I think that the Hamas threat and the terrorist threat that they're facing is connected also to the people who are inside of our country right now. And if, if they're strengthened there and not and not um, destroyed, we could have a terrorist threat, and we probably will inside of our own border. I think everyone realizes that's a 
not just a potential, but a very strong likelihood. Yeah. Well, especially here in New York, there's no doubt about it. So I do want to ask you on the way out about violence, though, because here in New York we had a bunch of migrants. Some ran to your state. They went to Phoenix, to your state, Arizona, who beat up a bunch of cops in uh, Times Square. We've had other incidents. We've had rapes in Buffalo and Philadelphia. So the, these illegals that come across are not all cute little mommies and kids trying to find a decent school. They're bad people. And when you mix those in with the cartel presence that you must have huge in Arizona, how dangerous has it become in terms of violent crime? Oh, it's it's terrible. And I think everybody in this country better be prepared to protect themselves from the crime that's going to be hitting the streets. And even in smaller communities, we're seeing it, not just in the big cities. But we saw a 500 percent increase in adult male Chinese um, people coming across illegally. Why? And why are we letting these people in? And we've, we've already saw before the Biden invasion a huge increase of, you know, single adult Chinese men coming into our universities, being allowed in, who we know uh, were taking part in spying and taking uh, some of our secrets back to their country. That's been proven. And one of the scariest things that I heard that this last week was an interview with a, a judge who handles border and immigration and asylum issues. And he said that. None. He he followed up none of the people that he ordered to be deported. And some of them for crimes such as murder had been deported under Biden. Conversely, under Trump, they were being deported. People were being deported if they committed a crime. And so there's no follow through on these sentences when somebody does commit a crime, is ordered deported by a judge, and the Biden administration is letting them remain. That's nuts. I mean, just, well, everything's actually, nuts, right? Yeah, everything's nuts. The only, way to, the only way to get through this and to change it is to get President Trump elected. That's it. The man has incredible policy. I know he will get in there, and on day one, we'll start turning this country around. We can turn this around, and I know we will. We just have to get him get busy the next nine, ten months and get him elected, and then watch as we all get to work in Washington, D.C. to make America great again. I need to get two people elected. I need Trump to win in November. I need you to win. So for folks who are listening right now, maybe in Arizona, wherever, how can they help my friend Carrie Lake get a win? What do they do? Thank you. It's going to it's gonna take money. And I know people say, gosh, we're in Biden's economy. We don't have the money. Well, right. let me just tell you, whatever you have in your bank account now, if we don't get Trump in and we don't get a Senate, a majority in the Senate to help him, your money is not going to be worth anything come 10 months from now. So we need to we need some money to win this. We're up against a Democrat who is completely radical. He makes AOC look, you know, almost middle of the road. <laughs> and he's got a fortune coming in from God knows where. We need some, um, you know, help. Ten, twenty, thirty dollars is helpful. Anybody who can make a donation would be appreciated. I'm going to go and fight to make America great again. And that means the life for New Yorkers. And when we secure the border in Arizona, things will get better in New York as well. I believe it. Carrie Lake is always excellent, excellent appearance. You know, we love you here. I love you. So continued success in your race for Senate. Anytime you want to come on, you are, you're welcome, of course. And uh, hopefully I see you very, very soon. Thank you so much. So let's work on that speech. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Carrie. There she is. The great Carrie Lake running for Senate in the state of Arizona. And uh, that's the type of lady we need to win. Those are the types of people we need to win to fix this country. All right, we're coming back. Sid Rosenberg in for Brian Kilmeade, 10 to 11, all week long. Keep it right here.
Hey, Mr. Fantastic, stop. Now think about it. Oi! This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. How many of us have them? 77 WABC. Sid Rosenberg in for Brian Kilmeade. I'll be here all week. Try the veal. 10 to 11 all week. You get an extra hour of me and an extra hour of dickhead Curtis. <laughs> that was very nice. No, I love Curtis. Yeah. He was on this morning, you know. Well, yeah, like about four days ago. <laughs> it feels that way. <laughs> Curtis Sliwa, Rich Lowry, John Katz, Steve Bannon, Dr. Mark Siegel, Alan Dershowitz, and Carrie Lake. Pretty good show, no? I'll say. See, now, I watched the, uh, the Ranger game yesterday, and there's a bar in my neighborhood. I was having dinner at La Sorrentina, because so I love John Mazzola, Joe, the whole crew, you know. Me and Gabe, now we're alone the next eight nights. So um, I'm having uh, dinner, and across the street, there's a bar. It's called Jameson's. My friend Eric McManus owns it. There's like a 1,000 people there. It's like they, they just look for any excuse to drink. There's no football. Right? Football is over, so they need something. Like, the Rangers are on every night, and you see four people in the bar. But they play one outdoor game on a Sunday afternoon, and the world shows up. It means nothing. Yeah. It's not a Stanley Cup final game, you dumb bastards. No, but it's like the World Cup. Like, everybody becomes ah, a no, they annoyed, a, they, they annoyed me. They annoy, yeah. Where are they all year? That's what I'm saying. I'm it's here. annoying. You know. All these uh, fat, stupid people, half right. drunk. I mean, come on. It lends to your point. But I will tell you that watching the game... I couldn't stop staring at the Ranger jerseys. Yeah, so when I go tomorrow night, thanks to Pete Morgan, I'm taking Gabriel to see the Rangers in Dallas. I got to buy one of those. I mean, I hope they give it for free, but I doubt it. <laughs> yeah, for free? Are you kidding? Yeah. No way. I'm hoping Sisterkin Absolutely gives not. it to me in between periods. Yeah, yeah, I'll give you a sign. <laughs> yeah. No, I got to buy one. It's probably 150 bucks. Uh, more than that. No, it's not. I would venture to say you're, really? you're going to pay north of $200 for one of them sweaters. Well, no, I'm not. Yeah, okay. I just won't buy it. <laughs> I have an old uh, leech jersey with a mustard stain. I swear to God, I, 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 I got mustard on it. <laughs> but I do want these uh, new jerseys, but it has to be 150 or less. Bottom uh, line. Yeah, it's not happening. Well, we'll see. All right, All right we got uh, one more segment to go, I believe. And then again, you get an extra hour of Curtis, Sid, 6 to 11. Curtis, 1101. And don't forget, coming up tonight at 820 right here on WABC, you can hear me again. With the great one, Mark Levin. I'll be back right after this. And gravity could be. 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends.
These um, people at CNN, this fat, stupid host on right now, whatever her name is. So they're doing some interview with the Palestinian Health Ministry, where they claim more than 29,000 are dead. They're all terrorists, by the way, you know. But they show these pictures all day long on CNN. This Nasser Hospital, for example, direct hit by the Israelis on Nasser Hospital. By the way, I'm Sid. I'm filling in for Kilmeade. He's on vacation all week. Get an extra hour of me. I'm on till 11. Then you get Curtis for two hours and then Kelly. Direct hit at Nassau Hospital as if the Israelis are trying to kill innocent Palestinians. Let me explain something to you dumb bastards. They purposely set up their military efforts in hospitals, in schools. So that when Israel comes and kills the bad guys, and yes, some innocents will die, the world looks at Israel as evil. We know this. But you would think that the TV channels in America who are allied with Israel, not the Palestinians, would know this. They would know this and not continue to show pictures of little Palestinian children on stretchers and their parents. Now, I don't remember, maybe somebody could remind me, CNN showing footage of Israeli girls being raped and their breasts being cut off. I don't remember CNN showing footage of Israeli babies alive and well being thrown into an oven 50 at a time. I don't remember CNN showing footage of little kids who had their eyes carved out in front of their parents before they shot the parents dead. These are facts. I don't remember any of that footage, any of it. But these scumbags take every opportunity to show a picture of some Palestinian kid who, God bless him or her, is innocent now for about another two years till they start to learn about how great it is to kill Jews. They show all those pictures all day. They are, they are making the Palestinians the victims. And let me remind you, folks, and I heard this just last night from David Friedman, the former ambassador, on with Mark Levin, 80%, 80% of Palestinians are with Hamas. They vote with them. They celebrate them. They protect them. They're not innocent. Not in any shape or form. Some are, but they are the minority. Stop it. Stop it. You know who was innocent? The Israelis who woke up on a Shabbat holiday morning on October the 7th 
a bunch of kids who were dancing at a music festival like they do at, uh, you know, like they did at Woodstock or Coachella and got raped and murdered. They were innocent. Not these bastards. So you can fool some of the people some of the time, but you ain't going to fool me. And maybe that's why I'm number one, because I'm not real elegant. I'm not real eloquent. I tell you the way it is. I call them what they are, scumbags. You're not going to hear that from a lot of people. But it is what it is. CNN, MSNBC, they are domestic terrorists. That's what they are. They're not bad journalists. They're not lousy at their job. That's being nice. At this point, they are domestic terrorists. When they start sympathizing with the Palestinians and telling you that Joe Biden is a better choice than Donald Trump, they are making it very clear two things. They don't care about Israel, and they don't care about America. I got to go because Curtis is starting to cry already. You got another, you got two hours of Curtis coming up, and on a serious note, that's great. You never get enough Curtis Sliwa. I'm going home. (laughs) Yeah. Diego, great job today filling in for Lou Rapino. Really great, Diego. Fine shift. Justin Ellick, great job. My man Jimmy Flippin filling in for, of course, uh, Noam Layden and Laurie Blanchard filling in for Joe Nolan. We'll all be back again for a 6 a.m. show tomorrow on a Tuesday. Curtis Sliwa coming up next. Until then, from all of us to all of you, peace. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.